I've brought you some tea, Mrs. Temple. Oh, thank you, Charlie. What time is it? It's just gone half past four. Half past four? I didn't think it was as late as that. Well, then in New York, it'll be about half past eleven. Five hours back. Yes, I suppose it will. Do you think Mr. Temple will be up yet? Well, I hope so, Charlie. He promised to telephone. You know, I don't understand why you didn't go with him, Mrs. Temple. You usually do. You've never been to America on a lecture tour, Charlie. No, can't say I have. Twenty-two towns in four weeks. That's not my idea of fun and games. Oh, there we are. That'll be Mr. T. Hello? Mayfair 5101? Yes. Uh, Mrs. Temple speaking? Yes, speaking. One moment, please. We have a call for you. Go ahead, New York. Hello? Paul? Is that you, darling? Hello, Steve. How are you? Oh, I'm fine, Paul. I've got some news for you. I've finished my tour and I'm flying back tomorrow night. Tomorrow Oh, Paul, that's wonderful, darling. I'm due at London Airport at 11.15. That's Thursday morning. I'll be there. Oh, there's no need to meet me, Steve. You try and stop me. What's the flight number? BA-784. It's a BOAC flight. BA-784, due in at 11.15. Okay, sweetie. Oh, what do you mean, okay? I'm the one who should sound a better <laughs> All right, Steve. See you Thursday morning. Goodbye, darling. Goodbye, dear. Have a good trip. Now then, Mrs. Temple, what about this nice cup of tea? You drink it, Charlie. I'm going to have a nice dry martini. Get you anything to drink, Mr. Temple? Uh, no, I don't think I will. Thank you very much. Well, I'd certainly like something. Scotch on the rocks, please. Yes, sir. May I sit here a minute? Uh, yes, by all means. Oh, thanks. <laughs> These jets are pretty fabulous, aren't they? They certainly are. I've just flown in from California. Five hours, coast to coast. Really? <laughs> uh, my name's Langdon, by the way. Mike Langdon. We met in Hollywood, Mr. Temple. Oh, did we? Oh, you don't remember? I'm sorry, but I've met so many people during the past few weeks Why, that I... yes, of course. I was at that cocktail party the movie people ah. gave you. Me and 200 others. <laughs> that was quite a party, wasn't it? It sure was. Are you in the film business, Mr. Langman? No, I'm with a publishing firm in New York. Talbot and Ryder. Is this your first trip to Europe? Oh, no, I've been over many times. I was in Paris two weeks ago. Really? Mr. Temple, have you ever heard of a young man called Tony Wyman? No, I don't think so. Should I have done? Well, I understand he's fairly well known in your country. He's a pop singer. Tony Wyman? No, I'm sorry. Is he a friend of yours? No, and I doubt whether he'll turn out to be one either. What do you mean? Well, Mr. Temple, I've gotten quite a problem on my hands. I'd sure like to talk about it. Is, is that all right by you? <laughs> yes, go ahead. Well, about two years ago, my firm was taken over by an Englishman called George Kelburn. Oh, I've heard of Kelburn. He's a North Country chap, reputed to be a millionaire. Yeah, that's right. Well, when Kelburn took our firm over, he made, well, he made me the number one boy. He's a blunt, ruthless sort of a guy, but we've always gotten on well together. Is he older than you? Uh, yeah, he's around about 60. Maybe 62 or 3, I'm not sure. Huh? Go on, Mr. Langdon. Well, Kelburn's first wife died some years ago, and he married again. A woman a lot younger than himself. He has a daughter, Julia, by his first wife. Julia's about 21, young, attractive, and hopelessly spoiled. Not unusual. No, I suppose not. Well, to cut a long story short, Julia's got herself tangled up with this nightclub singer called Tony Wyman. And she told dear old Pappy that she intends to marry the guy. And Kelvin's against it. Against it? 
income is going to stop that marriage if it's the last thing he does. Mm. But uh, how do you fit into all this, Mr. Langdon? Uh, I mean, if you're just a business associate of Kelvin's... Yeah, that's just the point. I don't fit in. Then why are you... Well, Kelvin sent me an SOS. There's nothing I can do about it. You mean he wants you to try and influence him? Exactly. Julia and I have always gotten on well together. So he wants me to talk to the kid and try to persuade her to throw the boyfriend over. Do you think you've got much chance? None. According to all accounts, she's nuts about this guy, Tony Wyman. You seem to be in quite a spot. Yeah, you can say that again. If I refuse to help Kelvin, he'll put me on the spot business-wise. There's no doubt about that. I know Kelvin. On the other hand, if I get mixed up with it and make a hash of things, which is more than likely, it's going to... Well, it's not going to do me any good either. And how does Kelvin's wife react to all this? Oh, Linda takes the point of view that Julia's 21 and she, well, she can do what she likes anyway. Well, there's no point in anticipating trouble, Mr. Langdon. Perhaps when you get to London, you'll find the situation has straightened itself out. Well, I certainly hope so. Anyway, I'm in the phone book. If you feel I can help you at any time, give me a ring. Well, now, that's real neighborly of you. I appreciate it. I certainly do. Customs all right. Yes, thanks, but I'm still trying to find my wife. We appear to have missed each other. Is there anything I can do? No, thanks. I'm just going across to the other building to see if she's there. Mayfair 5101. Is that you, Charlie? Mr. Temple, where are you? I'm at the airport. Is Mrs. Temple with you? Well, I know. I thought she'd be with you. She left here about two hours ago. Did you take the car? Yeah, the little runabout. You're sure she knew the time and the place? Yeah, she knew the time and place, all right. She'd been talking about nothing else for the past 24 hours. I see. Did she say whether she had any calls to make? No, but I don't think she had. I hope there hasn't been an accident. Yes, I hope so too, Charlie. All right, I'll see you later. Very good, sir. Ah, oh, come in, Sir Graham. It's very good of you to come at a moment's notice. My dear fellow, I'd have got here sooner, and I was on my way home when your message came through. I understand there's no news, Mr. Temple. No, I'm afraid not. Uh, this is Superintendent Rain, Temple. I don't think you've met before. No, I don't think we have. How do you do? How do you do? Um, sit down and I'll get you a drink. No, 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 don't worry about drinks. Temple, tell me, have you checked the hospital? I've checked every hospital within 30 miles of the airport. It took me the best part of the afternoon. I understand you found Mrs. Temple's car. Yes, it was in the car park at the airport. The attendant remembered her arriving about half an hour before my plane was due. She left her coat in the back of the car, so she couldn't have intended to go much further than the lounge or maybe the restaurant. I take it Mrs. Temple didn't leave a note for you or anything which No, might I've have... been through the place pretty thoroughly, and apart from a telephone message, there's nothing, absolutely nothing. What was the telephone message? Oh, it was on the pad upstairs. It simply said, tell Paul about L." Who's L? I don't know, but I don't think it's important, Sir Graham. According to Charlie, the message was written several days ago. Well, I'm sorry, Mr. Temple, but it looks as if we shall have to face the facts. Your wife's obviously been kidnapped. Now, the question is... Hello? Hello? All right. Go ahead. Talk to him now. Hello? Who is that? Is that you, Paul? Steve! Is that you, Steve? Paul, can you hear me? Yes, but where are you? Don't worry, dear. There's nothing to worry about. Yes, but Steve, where are you speaking from? 
I'm perfectly all right. Now listen, there was a man on the phone. I heard his voice. Who was it? Paul, don't try to get... Darling, please tell me, where are you? Oh, Paul... Oh, my God. What's happened? The line's gone dead. Replace the receiver, Mr. Temple, in case she tries to ring back. Temple, you said something about a man. Was there someone with Steve? Yes, I heard a voice just as I picked up the telephone. It sounded as if someone was telling it. Hello? Take it easy, Temple. Hello? Paul? Steve, where are you speaking from? I don't know the number. Darling, look at the dial. It's a call box. Yes, but where is it? Trying to concentrate. Is there anyone with you? No. Not now, darling. Well, where's the telephone box, Steve? It's at Houston. It's near the station. Yes. Please come and fetch me, darling. I'll wait for you in the station, near the bookstore. I'll be there in five minutes. What's happened? She's at Houston Station. Right. Come on, Temple. Rain, get through to the yard. We'll see you at Houston. Are you all right, Steve? Yes, Sir Graham. I'm just a little tired, that's all. Well, what's happened? How did you get here? Who, who is that man I heard on the phone? I Wait a moment, Temple. I think perhaps we'd better get her home and let the doctor see her before we start asking too many questions. Oh, yes, of course. You're absolutely right, Sir Graham. Yeah. Come on, darling. Let yes. me help you, Mrs. Temple. No, Temple, this really is an extraordinary affair. I've never come across a case quite like it before. No ransom, no threats, no blackmail. Nothing. And no motive either, Sir Graham, so far as we can see. May I come in, Mr. Temple? Oh, yes, of course, Doctor. Well, what's the verdict? Oh, nothing to worry about, nothing at all. Ah. But there's no doubt Mrs. Temple had had quite a shock, and in my opinion, she's either been drugged or even possibly hypnotised. Hypnotised? Yes, but the main thing is there's nothing for you to worry about, Mr. Temple. What your wife needs now is rest. Plenty of it. Mm. I've given her a sedative. She'll probably sleep most of tomorrow morning. Thank you, Doctor. I'll look in during the afternoon or give you a ring tomorrow evening. Thank you. Oh, and Superintendent, my patient can't answer any questions, not at the moment, at any rate. Yes, of course. So hold your horses until tomorrow, right? I will. And that goes for you too, Mr. <laughs> Temple. Well, good night. Good night, Doctor, and thanks again. Oh, it's all right. I can let myself out. Good night, Sir Graham. Good night, Doctor. Paul? Why are you sitting over there? I'm listening to the radio and watching you, darling. Well, wh what time is it? <laughs> what time do you think? I don't know. About uh, half past nine? It's a quarter past three. A quarter past... A quarter past three? Yes, darling. You've had quite a nice little nap. How long have I actually been asleep? Since ten o'clock last night. The doctor gave you a sedative. Good heavens, you shouldn't have let me sleep like this. Oh, Paul, you look wonderful. <laughs> How lovely to see you again, mm. darling. Did you have a nice trip? Mm, I did, but it's the last trip I'm making without you, Mrs. T. You can say that again. 
How do you feel? Oh, I'm perfectly all right now. There's no need to look so anxious. Do you feel well enough to talk? Yes, of course. Well, what happened yesterday, Steve? Well, now, let me think. I'm not sure where to begin. Uh, you set out to meet me at the airport, just as you planned. Yes. Well, I arrived with plenty of time to spare. I parked the car. A man in uniform, one of the airport officials, came up to me, checked the number of the car, and asked if I was Mrs. Temple. Mm. He told me your plane had arrived ahead of schedule, and you were waiting for me in the VIP lounge. Would you recognize this man again? Mm, I doubt it. Go on. Well, he asked me to follow him to another car, and I thought he was taking me to another building, you know, some distance away. In the back of the car was a woman wearing air hostess's uniform. I sat beside her, and the man climbed into the driving seat, and we drove off. We'd been going for about a minute, and suddenly I felt a jab in my right arm. A hypodermic needle? Yes. Mm. I'm afraid I don't remember anything else. About the journey, I mean. When I came to, I was in a darkened room. I felt absolutely awful. After a while, a man came into the room and gave me a drink. I don't know what it was, but it certainly made me feel better. Was the man the phony airport official? I couldn't see him very well, but I don't think it was. For one thing, his voice sounded different. What did he say? He said there was nothing to worry about, that I wasn't in any danger. And later on, they'd be releasing me. Did you ask him why they'd kidnapped you? Yes. And he said, we did it as a warning. And to prove that it was possible, Mrs. Temple. Mm. Well, go on. Well, he left me. And about two or three hours later, another man came into the room. I think this was the man at the airport. How do you know? Well, he was about the same height, and he sounded rather like him. But you're not sure? I can't be a hundred percent sure. Anyway, about half an hour later, they drove me down to Houston and let me make the telephone call. But didn't they give you any idea what this was all about? Why they'd abducted you? Not the slightest. Don't you know, Paul? No, I have a clue. I'm not investigating a case at the moment. I'm not mixed up in anything. You know that, Steve. Hmm. If only I could remember more details... Well, don't worry about it. You're all right. That's the main thing. Oh, Yes. Hey, you must have been pretty worried. Oh, not really, darling. I just went berserk. <laughs> oh, by the way, I'd put your coat in the wardrobe. My coat? Mm, we found it in the back of the car when we collected it from the airport. But I didn't take a coat with me. Yes, you did, Steve. Here it is. Well? That's not my coat. It is, Steve. It was in the back of the car. I don't care where it was. It isn't my coat. You sure, dear? I'm positive. Is there anything in the pockets? Um, no, nothing. Well, there should be a maker's name on the back of the collar. Yes, I'm just looking for it. Ah, here we are. Superintendent, come in. Thank you. Good evening, Superintendent. Good evening, Mrs. Temple. Well, you look better than you did a week ago. Oh, yes, I'm fine now. Thank you very much. I just happened to be passing, and I thought I'd drop in and have a word with you. Although we don't seem to have got very far during the past week. Oh, well, we're glad to see you just the same. We have made inquiries about the coat, but we've drawn a blank. We've failed to find the owner or even the shop where it was bought. What about the makers? Oh, we can't even locate the makers. 
According to all accounts, there isn't a coat firm called Margot. No? Well, not in this country, at any rate. I see. Well, I think the people who kidnapped Steve were labouring under the delusion that I was just about to start a case of some kind. And you think the Mrs. Temple incident was a warning to keep out? Yes, I do. Well, that's a possible explanation, I suppose. But what's the case? I haven't one just now. What's your biggest headache at the moment? Oh, our biggest headache is the fence. Trying to find out who he is, but we've had that headache for some time now. What do you mean, the fence? Well, you know what a fence is, Mrs. Temple. Uh, yes, of course, a man who receives stolen property. That's right. Well, during the past 12 months, there have been several robberies. I, I mean, really big stuff. The two jewellers in Leicester Square. Oh, yes. The fur warehouse in Bond Street. And Lord Renton's place in Eaton Square. Yes, that's right. Well, it's our opinion that these particular jobs were all done... By the same people? <laughs> no, Mrs. Temple, nothing quite as simple as that. We think, in fact, we know that the various jobs have been done by different people. We feel pretty confident, however, that the stolen property was in every case handled by the same person. The fence? Yes. And so far, we've failed to find out who this fence is or where he operates from. And sooner or later, we've got to find him because at the moment, he's indirectly responsible for most of the big robberies in the country. Really? Yes. Still, we've no reason for thinking, no proof that Mrs. Temple's experience had anything to do with the fence. No, I agree, Superintendent. Oh, but uh, there was one thing I wanted to ask you. Yes? Uh, the day Mrs. Temple disappeared, you said something about a note, a telephone message which was on a oh, pad. Oh, yes, of course, I forgot all about that. There was a note, Steve. It said, tell Paul about L." Oh, yes, that was Linda Stafford. She telephoned one morning, said she wanted to see you. You seemed very disappointed when I said you were in New York. Who's Linda Stafford? She's a journalist. Well, she was several years ago. We used to see quite a bit of each other when I worked in Fleet Street. And then she left and uh, married a man called Kelburn. Kelburn? George Kelburn? Yes, I think so. Very wealthy, North Country. She's his second wife. That's right. Huh. Anyway, when I told her you were in New York, she said she'd get in touch with you later. Well, I, I thought nothing of it at the time, but a couple of days later, I met her in, um, in Freeman and Bentley's. And naturally, I mentioned the telephone call. To my amazement, she said that she hadn't phoned. She said she hadn't? That's right, Superintendent. She said she certainly had no wish to consult Paul about anything. It's very odd. It certainly is. Paul, why were you surprised when I mentioned the name Kelburn? Well, coming over on the plane, a man called Langdon introduced himself to me. He works for George Kelburn. Oh. Apparently, Kelburn's having trouble with his daughter, and he's asked Langdon to try and sort it out. Yes, I've heard of Miss Kelburn. Julia, by name. That's right. Always in the newspapers. She must be quite a handful, that young lady. I don't envy Mr. Langdon his assignment. Oh, well, I'll be making a move. I'm glad you're feeling better, Mrs. Temple. Thank you. Let me know if there's any news about the coat. Yes, I will indeed, Mr. Temple. Goodbye. Goodbye. I think I'm going to bed now, Paul. Yes, all right, dear. I'm just finishing a couple of letters. Mm -hmm. Oh, Steve, how well do you know Linda Kelburn? We used to see quite a bit of each other in the old days, but we were never close friends. What's she like? Oh, attractive, I suppose. A little too self-centred for my liking. She's looking quite a bit older these days. <laughs> Aren't we all? <laughs> were you surprised when she married Kelvin? Oh, quite frankly, I'd never heard of him. Mm. Are you in or out, Mr Temple? Uh, at a quick glance, I should say we're in. <laughs> well, there's a Mr Langdon I'd like to see you. Looks like a yank to me. <laughs> yes, he is a yank, as you so elegantly put it. Show the gentleman in. Langdon, is this the man that you met on the plane? Yes. 
Did you ask him to call? Well, not in so many words, but I said if I could be of use any time, I'd be pleased to see him. Mr. Langdon, sir. Ah, oh, hello, Langdon. Come in. Oh, thanks. I don't think you've met my wife. No, I haven't had that pleasure. I'm very happy to know you, Mrs. Temple. How do you do, Mr. Langdon? Uh, can I get you a drink? No, thanks. I've already had more than my share this evening, which isn't surprising, considering. Why, is the Coburn business getting you down? Yeah, it certainly is. Oh, you've seen Juliet, I take it. Yeah, half a dozen times, and it's hopeless. She has every intention of doing precisely what she wants. Ah. And what about the young man she's keen on, Tony Wyman? Well, I went to see Wyman last night. Where? At the hide-and-seek? That's right, Mrs. Temple. I arrived at the club about half-past twelve, and Wyman was just finishing his act. I'd already telephoned the manager to say I wanted to have a word with him. Who's been asking for me, mister? Yeah, that's right. Let's sit down over there and have a drink, Mr. Wyman. My name's Langdon. I'm from New York. You an agent? No, as a matter of fact, I'm a publisher. Publisher? Ah, oh, see. Uh, do you want to buy my life story? Two of the boys are cooking it up. No, I don't want to buy your life story. We don't publish that kind of book. I want to talk to you about Julia Kelburn. Julia Kelper? Yes. I understand you're in love with her. You want to get married. Who told you that? Why, Julia. Besides, it's in all the newspapers. Do you believe everything you read in the newspapers? Look, I don't get this. Julia said you were unofficially engaged. That's so unofficial, I ain't even heard of it. Hey, now what's all this about? You've got a proposition, let's have it. Yes. Kelvin wants you to leave his daughter alone. He says if you promise not to see her again, he'll pay you 5,000 pounds. <laughs> so Kelvin is nuts. I wouldn't marry his daughter if she was the last piece on earth, and he offered me fifty thousand pounds. What? That kid of his gets in my head. She said that. Look, you... I can get all the blondes and all the brunettes I want. So why should I get married? Tell me, why should I get married? What am I missing? Kelvin's a wealthy man. I thought maybe lolly? you might be. Ah, uh, who worries about lolly? I got more lolly than I know what to do with. Tell Mr. Kelburn he can keep his 5,000 nicker, and that goes for his daughter, too. All right. I'll deliver the message, Mr. Wyman. Mm, what a charming young man. Yes, I wasn't exactly enthralled by Master Wyman. Do you think he was telling the truth? I don't know. He sounded convincing, and yet, well, it just doesn't add up. Everyone I've spoken to swears he's got his beady eye on her. Mr. Temple, I know this is a bit of a nerve, but do you think you could make one or two inquiries for me? About Tony Wyman? Yeah. All right, Langdon. We'll get on the grapevine and see what we can do. Well, that's mighty kind of you. I appreciate it. I really do. And how about changing your mind and having a drink? Yeah, there's nothing I'd like better. you awake? Yes, dear. Three o'clock. Can't you get to sleep? I keep thinking. Must be pretty awful having a daughter like Julia Kelvin. Yes. Paul, do you think Linda did telephone me? And she was lying when she's... Oh. Oh, who on earth can that be? This time of the morning? Oh, it's probably a wrong number. 
And, uh, hello? Is that Paul Temple? Yes, speaking. This is Mrs. Kelburn. Who? Mrs. Kelburn. Linda Kelburn. Oh, good evening. Uh, good morning, Mrs. Kelburn. I'm sorry to disturb you at this time of night, but I've got to see you. It's really important. Will nine o'clock be all right? I've got your address. Look, Mrs. Kelburn, I'm quite prepared to see you, but first of all, I must know what this is all about. It's about my stepdaughter, Julia. What about Julia? She's going to be murdered. Hello, Steve. You're nice and late this morning. Yes, I know. But I didn't get to sleep until five o'clock. What time is it, anyway? Uh, Twenty past nine. Oh, goodness, we are late. Mm. And so's your friend Linda Kelburn. She said she'd be here. Oh, this will be her now. Do you want me to stay? Yes, of course. I've got a hunch she only telephoned me because she knew that you... Yes, darling? Uh, Superintendent Rain would like to see you, sir. Oh. Excuse me, Mr. Temple. May I have a word with you? Yes, of course. All right, Charlie. Good morning, Mrs. Temple. Good morning, Superintendent. Something's happened. What is it, Rain? We picked a girl out of the river about two hours ago. She'd been strangled. It was George Kelburn's daughter. Oh, Julia oh. Kelburn? Yes, but that isn't everything. What do you mean? The dead girl was wearing a coat. There was a name on a label stitched inside the collar. We've seen that name before. Margot? Yes. We picked a girl out of the river about two hours ago. She'd been strangled. It was George Kelburn's daughter. Julia Kelvin. Yes, but that isn't everything. The dead girl was wearing a coat. There was a name on a label stitched inside the collar. We've seen that name before. Margot? Yes, Mrs. Temple. Margot. I see. Now, let's think this out. About a week ago, Steve was kidnapped by persons unknown and then suddenly released. Yes. Our only clue was a coat found in Steve's car. Inside the coat was this name Margot. And we tried to trace the name but failed. This morning, however, we came across the name again on Julia Kelburn. Mm. Well, there's one person who won't be surprised by the murder, Superintendent. That's Julia's stepmother, Linda Kelburn. Why do you say that? She telephoned and made an appointment to see me at nine o'clock this morning. When I asked her why she wanted to see me, she said it was about Julia who was going to be murdered. What time did Mrs. Kelburn telephone you? About three o'clock this morning. Well, this is extraordinary. I've seen Mrs. Kelburn about an hour ago. I went to the house in Eaton Square. She didn't say anything about telephoning you. On the contrary, she seemed staggered by the news of the murder. She never mentioned the phone call? Well, not a word. How did Mr. Kelburn react? Well, he was pretty badly shaken, of course, but I had the impression he'd been worried about his daughter for some time. She mixed with a pretty shady crowd, you know. Yes, yeah, she was friendly with a man called Tony Wyman. Yes, I'm checking on Mr. Wyman. I've got an appointment to see him. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. Hello? Paul Temple? Yes, speaking. This is Mike Langdon. I've got some terrible news. Oh, we've heard about Julia Kelburn. The superintendent's with me now. Oh? Then I expect he's told you all the details. Well, yes. It's a pretty awful business, Langdon. It must have been a shock for you. Yes, it was. It was a terrible shock. But, but look, Temple, I want to ask you a favor. Kelburn's determined that the person responsible for this shall not escape. He's anxious to make the fullest possible investigation. Expense no object. Well? Well, he'd like to see you. Does that go for Mrs. Kelvin, too? What do you mean? Well, would she like to see me? Why, yes, of course. I imagine so. She hasn't said anything otherwise. Uh -huh. Tell Mr. Kelvin I'll be there at 12 o'clock. All right. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. I'll be seeing you then. Yes. Goodbye, Langdon. Excuse my asking, Mr. Temple, but who is this man, Langdon? He's one of Kelvin's right-hand men. I met him on the plane coming over from New York. Kelvin had sent for him. 
He apparently thought Langdon might be able to reform his daughter. Really? I understand he'd got her out of one or two little scrapes in New York. All the way from New York because Kelburn couldn't cope with his own daughter? Mm. Sounds a bit far-fetched. Oh, I don't know. We never knew Julia Kelburn. We don't know what her father was up against. Oh, no, but still... However, Langdon's main job was to try and buy off Tony Wyman. Oh, that's interesting. What happened? Wyman told Langdon he couldn't care less about Julia. Hmm. This chap Langdon, is he about 50, going bald, about medium height? That's right. Ah, yes, he was hovering about when I interviewed Kelburn and his wife. You've no objection, I take it, if I go along and see Kelburn? Not the slightest, Mr. Temple, not the slightest. It's a free country, so they tell me. It isn't that I mistrust the police, Mr. Temple. I just think that a case of this kind demands a more imaginative approach than the average police inspector is capable of. Now, George, let me... Mr. Kelburn, I've worked with the police now for many years, and I can assure you that the majority of men at Scotland Yard are shrewd, intelligent, and highly efficient. Efficient, yes, maybe, but slow, slow. That's the trouble, slow. My daughter's been murdered, Mr. Temple, my only child. I'll give anything to find the swine responsible for that murder. Just name the fee. You don't solve a case of this kind simply by paying someone a fat fee, Mr. Kelburn. The whole... Oh, there you are, Linda. Uh, Mr. Temple, may I introduce my wife? Oh, how do you do, Mrs. Kelvin? I believe you know Steve. I do, indeed. Is she well? Oh, thank you, yes. She was looking forward to seeing you this morning. This morning? Yes. We were expecting you to call at nine o'clock as arranged, but obviously this business... I'm sorry, Mr. Temple, but I don't understand. Were you under the impression that my wife was coming to see you? I was, indeed. What gave you that impression? The fact that she telephoned me in the early hours of the morning and said that she wanted to see me. I telephoned you? Yes. When? About three o'clock this morning. But that's nonsense. I can assure you that my wife didn't phone you, Mr. Temple. How are you so certain? Well, because we occupy the same bedroom. If she'd made a telephone call at that hour of the morning, I'd certainly have known about it. What exactly am I supposed to have phoned you about? You told me that you suspected that your stepdaughter was going to be murdered. She told you? Are you serious, Temple? But this is ridiculous. Wait a minute, George. This is the second time I'm supposed to have made a mysterious telephone call. I met your wife a couple of weeks ago, and she had some strange story about having spoken to me on the phone and my saying I wanted to see you. And you didn't want to see me? Of course not. I didn't even phone. Someone did. It certainly wasn't me. Mrs. Kerbin, your husband has asked me to investigate this affair, and I think perhaps you might be able to help me. How exactly? Well, you can start by telling me where Julia bought her clothes. I'm afraid I don't know. Could you find out? Yes, I suppose so. I'm interested in the coat she was wearing at the time of the murder. There was a label inside with the name Margot on it. Margot? Yes. Does that name mean anything to you? No, I'm afraid it doesn't. But I'll make inquiries, if you like. I'd be grateful if you would. You have my phone number, Mrs. Kelburn, if you want to get in touch with me. Yes. No, I'm afraid I haven't. Oh, well, it's in the book. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have a lunch appointment. Goodbye, Mrs. Kelburn. I hope to hear from you. Would you like some more coffee, sir? Uh, no, thank you. Very good, sir. Well, you had quite a morning. <laughs> what did you make of Linda Kelburn? Oh, she was pleasant enough in a brittle sort of way. Do you think she got on well with her stepdaughter? Yes, I think she did, and heaven knows that couldn't have been very easy. According to what Langdon was telling me on the way here, Julia was quite a handful. Paul, do you think the people who kidnapped me were responsible for the murder? Yes, I do. And I think I know why they kidnapped you, Steve. You do? Yes. While I was in America, a report appeared in one of the Continental newspapers that said... Well, I've got it in my wallet here. There you are. Read it for yourself. Okay. Oh. This is all about that man Superintendent Rain mentioned. Uh, the fence. Yes. 
Scotland Yard have asked you to help them discover his identity, and you've cut short your American tour in order to do so. But is this true, Paul? No, of course not. It's just a newspaper story. Sir Graham and I have never even discussed the fence. But you think that someone read this? I think that Fence himself read it and believed it. Remember what that man said to you, Steve? We did it as a warning and to prove that it was possible, Mrs. Temple. Yes. From now on, you've got to watch your step, dear. Don't go anywhere on your own if you can help it. Yes, Don't... yes, I know. I know the routine. My Timothy, this traffic really is appalling. Relax, darling. I don't mind driving. Mm, I'm delighted to hear it. This is always the worst bit, anyway. Ah, that's better. We're on the move now. It's all right, Steve. Your hat is on straight. My hat? Uh, I saw you staring in the mirror. As a matter of fact, I was looking at the car behind. The, the one driven by the young man in dark glasses? Yes. It was standing outside the house when I left, and it was behind me when I drove to the restaurant. Was it by Timothy? You don't recognize the young man? No, I don't. But it's difficult with those glasses he's wearing. Yes. Steve, take the next turn on the left. Quickly, darling. What's the idea, Paul? Yes, he's following us all right. Pull behind that lorry at the traffic lights. Get into the curb if you can. All right. What are you going to do? I'm getting out. You drive straight home, Steve. Yes, but what are you going to do? See you later, dear. Here, what's the big idea getting into my car like this? Keep going. I'll explain later. Go on, keep going. People are getting impatient. I don't give a monkey what people... Drive on. And there's no need to follow that car. I can tell you all you want to know about it. What are you talking about? I think you know what I'm talking about. Now, I suggest you drive into Regent's Park. We can have a little talk there. I... Yeah. Yeah, all right, Mr. Temple. I should switch the engine off, Mr. Wyman. You recognize me, then? Yes. Now, why are you following us around? I've read a lot about you in the paper, Mr. Temple, and I thought, well... I'm in dead trouble, see, and I thought maybe you... What is the trouble, Wyman? It's the police, Mr. Temple. They've put the wind at me. That Superintendent Rainey didn't half give me a going over. Practically accused me of doing a murder. You mean Julia Kelvin? Yeah, I, I never even knew she'd snuffed it. Stray, I didn't. That chap Rain was at me for the best part of an hour, but all I could tell him was that I finished at the club just after one and I went straight home. Just how friendly were you with Julia Kelvin? Well, depends what you mean by friendly. Well, how did you meet her? Some of the gang, the regulars, brought her to the club one night. Did you know her father was well off? Well, not at first. She never let on. But later she started throwing the lolly around and I guess somebody had the dough. She wasn't a bad kid. I was very fond of her in a funny sort of way, but, well... Well, she started getting in my hair, you know, hanging around the club, meeting me in restaurants, waiting for me at the telly studios. You don't know how it is. No, I don't know how it is. You tell me. Well, you know... Well, she was a bit of a mixed-up kid. A bit dotty, perhaps, I don't know. Spent quids with one of them psychiatrists. Hmm? Who told you that? She did. She used to visit a dock in Wimple Street. Benkari, I think the name was. Yeah, that's right. Dr. Benkari. Did you tell the superintendent about this? Nah, I didn't tell him more than was necessary. I know those flatfoots. When I was a kid in Bermondsey, I would... Hey, look at this car. He's coming straight on us. Get out, Wyman, quick! I can't open the ruddy door! Ah! 
Ah, there you are, Mr. Temple. How is Wyman, Doctor? Oh, he'll be all right. He got rather a nasty cut above his right eye, and he's shaken up quite a bit. I've given him a sedative. Must have been quite a spectacular little crash. Yeah, it was. And a deliberate one, too. Mm. Hello, Mr. Temple. Oh, hello. Are you feeling all right now? Yes, I'm fine, Superintendent. I was dead lucky. Well, you both were. Well, if there's nothing more, Mr. Temple, I'll get back to the ward. I'm much obliged, Doctor. Will Wyman be discharged? Oh, yes, yes. In about an hour or so, I should say. Well, mm. oh, then I'll get a statement from him later. Thank you, Doctor. What about the other chap, the driver? He's at the station. Got off with a few bruises and a cut cheek. Who is he? Tough little Scott. Name of Ted Angus. Ted Angus? Mm. Do you know him? No, I don't think so. I've been on to Glasgow. They know him up there, but they've never been able to get anything on him. I'm afraid we'll only be able to hold him for an hour or two. What's he do for a living, if anything? Oh, he's done all sorts of things. Barker in a fairground, travelling salesman, wall of death rider. Mm. According to Glasgow, he's suspected of being mixed up in one or two smash-and-grab jobs, but he's always got clear. You know, I can hardly think it was you he was after. It was Wyman's car. Mm, maybe you're right. I'd like to phone my wife, then perhaps I could have a word with Angus. Yes, of course. You can phone Mrs. Temple from the station. Oh, you, it was an accident. The steering went completely. Couldn't you see me trying to twist the wheel? I don't think you're telling the truth, Angus. Here, do you think I ran around crashing into people I've never seen? I think you might, if the money was big enough. You're lucky there isn't a witness to hear you say that. Who do you think you are, anyway, coming in here and insulting an innocent man? My name's Paul Temple, and it's only by a stroke of luck that I'm here at all. Oh, you're the writer, fella. Now, why should I want to do you any harm? That's what I'm asking you, Angus. Who told you to run us down? Nobody. Nobody at all. Then perhaps your instructions were to smash up Tony Wyman. Tony Wyman? You mean the laddie who sings in the telly? Mm. I'm one of his fans. What's your job? I'm a car driver. Who's your boss? I'm unemployed at the moment. Then what were you doing driving that car? Just driving it across London for a friend of mine. He owns a garage. What garage? The two counties at Mill Hill. Did you tell the police that? Yes, and they checked it. They've checked everything. I tell you, you're wasting your time, mister. It was just an accident. Accident or not, Angus, I'll give you one last word of advice. These people you're working for are ruthless. I keep telling you I'm not working for anybody. When you've served your turn, they'll ditch you sure as fate. And they won't be too gentle about it either. I can take care of myself. Yeah, I hope you can. Finished your talk? Yes. When are you let me out of here? The sergeant will be along in a minute for a few more details, then you can go. I should ruddy well think so, treating me like a criminal. Come along, Mr. Temple. Uh, Mr. Temple. Yes? Have you heard how young what's-his-name is? His name's Wyman. I thought you were a fan of his. He's very scared, Angus. You can tell your employer you made a good job of it. Now, what do you make of him? He's about as straight as the Tower of Pisa. It's a pity you can't hold him, Rain. Yes, but we can't. He's stuck to his story about the steering being faulty. And it might have been, of course... It was buckled to blazes. By Timothy Steve, you're in a depressing mood this evening. Yes, I know. I keep thinking about that car accident. It might have been fatal, darling. Well, it wasn't, so cheer up. Well, I should have thought the police could have held that man Angus on some charge or other. Well, uh, yes, darling? I found it, Mr. Temple. What's that? It's the telephone number you wanted. Ah, good. Here we are, sir. Dr. Benkari, 134 Wimpole Street. Ah, yes, that's it. Thank you, Charlie. Anything else, Mr. Temple? Uh, no, that's all, thanks. Leave the book. Right, sir. 
What's all this about? Tony Wyman told me that Julia Kelburn consulted a psychiatrist, Dr. Ben Cardi. I thought it might be quite an idea if I had a word with him. Why? Well, for one thing, I'd like to know what she consulted him about. Uh, um, hello? Well, back 9291. Dr. Ben Cardi's house? That's right. Um, can I speak to the doctor? Who is it speaking? My name is Temple. Right, hold on. What is it, Paul? What's the matter? I could swear that the man on the other end, Steve, he sounded exactly like Ted Angus. Well, couldn't have been, surely. I mean, he... Hello? Who is that, please? Uh, is that Dr. Benkari? No, this is Dr. Benkari's secretary. The doctor's out of town. Oh, well, my name is Temple. I'd like to make an appointment. Then I suggest you phone again towards the end of the month. But, but surely... Any time it... after the 25th, I shall be pleased to make an appointment for you then. But I'm afraid that's Goodbye, too... Goodbye, Mr. Temple. Well, I'm blowed. What did he say? He cut me short and rang off. Why, Timothy, if he's the secretary, I wonder what the doctor's like. Yes, Charlie? There's a Mrs. Kelvin called. She says she'd like to see Mr. Temple. Oh, show her in, Charlie. Yes, Mr. Temple. Are you expecting Linda? No, but I told her to phone me if she had any information about where Julia bought her clothes. I thought... Uh, Mrs. Kelvin, sir. Hello, Linda. Hello, Steve. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Oh, Mrs. Kelvin, let me get you a drink. No, I won't, thank you. I'm in rather a hurry. I'm dining with some people at Hampstead. Mr. Temple, I've made one or two inquiries about Julia's clothes, and oh. I've been through her wardrobe. Thank you. There's nothing with the name Margot on it, but I've discovered that most of her clothes, most of the respectable ones at any rate, were bought from a shop in Bond Street called Daphne Drake. Oh, I've heard of it. It's a very good shop. Yes, I think it is, although I don't go there myself. Did Julia have many clothes? Yes, she did. She was a frightfully erratic sort of person. She'd probably wear nothing but jeans and a sweater for a month or so, and then suddenly buy herself half a dozen dresses and suits. There's no telling what she'd do. Unfortunately, it wasn't only her clothes that she was erratic about. What do you mean? Well, she wasn't exactly careful about her choice of friends, was she? No. Of course, the trouble was George wouldn't take her in hand. He wouldn't hear a word against her. Understandable, I suppose, but rather irritating at times. Did you try to take her in hand, Mrs. Kelvin? No, it wasn't my job. But you were quite good friends. Oh, yes, we were, considering. But the trouble really started when George got a bee in his bonnet about this... Tony Wyman person tried to lay the law down. It was too late. You just couldn't do that sort of thing with Julia. Tell her she couldn't have something and she'd immediately want it. Yes, I can understand that. How is your husband, Linda? He's still very upset, of course. It's been a terrible shock to him. Yes, of course. I suppose there's no news, Mr. Temple. The police have no idea who did it. No, at least I certainly haven't heard anything. Well... I must be going. I'm very grateful to you for calling. You'll let me know if you come across anything you think might be of any importance. Yes, of course. I certainly will, Mr. Temple. I'll see you out, Linda. Thank you, Steve. Well? I hope dear Linda enjoys her dinner. You didn't like her, did you, Paul? No. But I'm glad she called. I wonder if this Daphne Drake place is worth investigating. Well, I can tell you one thing. The coat that was left in my car at the airport wasn't bought from Daphne Drake's. How do you know? Oh, didn't they, sort of thing. They're much more expensive. They have some really lovely stuff. Hmm. You know, I think I ought to go along there tomorrow morning. Why? Well, to, to make a... Two inquiries? <laughs> I know the sort of inquiries you'd make. Still, it's not a bad idea. Thank you, darling. But, Steve. Yes, dear. One dress. 
One only, remember. I think the dress is perfect, madam. I really do. And the colour's adorable. If you'd like to try it on again, Mrs. Temple. No, please. I agree with you. It is a lovely dress. Uh, mm, I'll take it. Thank you, Mrs. Temple. Shall we send it? Yes, please. I'll give you my address. It might take a day or two because of the alterations, but it shouldn't be very long. Now, is there anything else I can show you? I don't think so. Um, oh, a friend of mine has a coat that, that I've been envying for some time. She simply won't tell me where she bought it from. But there's a label inside the collar with the name Margot on it. Margot? Yes. Uh, would that be the manufacturer or the retailer? I really couldn't tell you, Mrs. Temple. Margot? Yes. No, I'm sorry. I've never heard the name before. Of course, we have some very nice coats if you... Yes, what is it, Jane? Excuse me, Miss Elsie. The fitter says Dr. Benkari's coat is ready. She wants to know if the doctor's calling for it. No, no, I promised her we'd post it to the Westerton address. Oh, very good, Miss Elsie. Now, if you'll be good enough to come this way, Mrs. Temple, I'll show you some of our coats. We have a small but very lovely... I thought you were never coming. Did you buy up the whole shop? No, darling, I didn't. Uh, can I get you anything, madam? I'd like a dry martini, please. Uh, dry martini, and I'll have the same again. Yes, sir. Well, Steve? I've got some news for you, Mr. Temple. About Margot? No, they've never heard of the name. At least they say they haven't. But I'll tell you who they have heard of, Paul. Who? Dr. Bencari. Dr. Bencari? Yes. She's a customer of theirs. She? <laughs> yes. I took it for granted Ben Carly was a man. So did I. Oh, Timothy, I must watch my step. I'm slipping, Steve. Well, go on, tell me, what happened? Dr. Ben Carly bought a coat from Daphne Drake's, and they were asked to post it to her. She's living in the country at a place called Westerton. Westerton? Hmm. Where is that? The name seems familiar. It's in Kent, about 40 miles from here. Rather well, a nice little place. There's a very good pub there called the Red Heart. I used to know the landlord, a man called Harkett. Oh, I remember the Red Heart. We stayed there one weekend about oh, six or seven years Yes, ago. that's right. Now I could ask you to autograph one of your novels. You spit the ink all over it. Yes, that's the chap. Steve, I'm very interested in this Dr. Ben Kari for several reasons. One, Julia Kelburn consulted her. And two, I still think it was that chap Angus who answered the telephone. Which means, I suppose, that we are going to spend the weekend at Westerton. Yes, darling, I'm afraid it does. There you are, Mr. Temple. A nice foaming tankard. Ah, thank you, Mr. Harcourt. Still brewing your own beer, I'm glad to see. Ah, yes, that's our card. We get people from miles away, even from London, just to see what real beer tastes ah. like. <laughs> uh, talking of people from London, have you come across a Dr. Ben Carey in these parts? You mean the lady doctor who took Miller's Croft in Wine Lane? Uh, yes, I should imagine that's the same person. Got a very nice place, they tell me. Hmm. Uh, Mrs. Fletcher, one of my regular customers, used to be the daily. Lovely place, she says it is. Hmm. You haven't met the doctor? No, just seen her around the village. Striking-looking woman. Hmm. Has she many friends? Locally, I mean. No, I reckon Mrs. Fletcher knows it as well as most. Although she don't work for her now, hasn't been up there for almost a year. Always speaks well of the doctor, though, does Mrs. Fletcher. Says she's a real lady. Where is Vine Lane? It's about, uh, about four miles from here. The cottage stands on its own. 
Wouldn't be another rise for about, uh, about a quarter of a mile. It sounds very lonely. Oh, it is, Mrs. Temple. But, but it's very pretty. Mr. Arcourt. Uh, come in, Maisie. Excuse me, Mr. Temple. Yes, yes, of course. Uh, let me know what you think of the beer, sir. Yes, all right, I will. Are you going to see this, Mrs. Fletcher? Well, I might do later, darling. It was a bit tricky. I don't want to attract too much attention. Well, what do you think of the beer, Steve? Mm. Oh, well, two of these and I should certainly attract attention. <laughs> I should be spark out. <laughs> they certainly should be able to brew good beer in these parts. I've never seen so many hop fields. No. What's that sign say, darling? Where? Oh, I see. Vine, what is it? Vine Lane. Ah. I think we'll park on the grass verge here and take a little stroll. Oh, it's getting rather dark. Oh, not very. In any case, I've got a torch. It'll do us good to stretch our legs. What is it you want to take a look at? The cottage? Yes. Well, don't expect me to tramp across fields in these shoes. <laughs> ah, Fred Harkett was right. It is pretty lonely. to go any further, Paul? We'll go just as far as that tree, Steve, and then we'll turn back. It's funny, we haven't seen the cottage. Yes. Wait a minute. I can see a light through the tree. Yes. Yes, there it is. Ooh, still quite a long way away. Yes, and it looks to me as if... What was that? Someone calling. It's over there, behind the hedge. Yes. Give me your hand, Steve. Have you got the torch? Yes, come on. Oh, Paul. Why, Timothy. Do you know him? Yes. Who is it? It's Ted Angus. Ted Angus? Yes, just look at him. He's really been beaten up, poor devil. Don't help me. Please don't help me. No, no, me. it's all right, Angus. It's all right. No one's going to hurt you. This is Paul Temple. You remember? We met at the police station. Oh, I... I remember. Uh, Temple, listen... Yes, what is it? Temple, this is important. Ask... Ask Mrs. Fletcher about... About... Go on, Angus, I'm listening. Ask Mrs. Fletcher about the court. Who is it? It's Paul Temple. You remember, we met at the police station. Oh, yes, I remember. Temple, listen. Yes, what is it? Temple, this is important. Ask... Ask Mrs. Fletcher about... About... Go on, Angus, I'm listening. Ask Mrs. Fletcher about... The coat. The coat? What do you know about the coat, Angus? Angus? It's no use, Paul. He's unconscious. Yes. What are we going to do? I don't think we ought to move him. No, we'll have to get a doctor right away. You mean Dr. Bengari? She's probably the only one within miles. There was a call box at the end of the lane. Yes. You go down to the box and ring the police. Tell them to bring an ambulance as quickly as possible. Yes, all right. Then take the car back to the Red Heart. I'll meet the police. They'll give me a lift back to the inn.
Who are you? What do you want? Is this Dr. Benkari's house? Yes, it is. I must see the doctor. It's urgent. The doctor isn't very well. She isn't receiving visitors tonight. Don't you understand? This is an emergency. There's a man very badly hurt, probably dying. Will you please do as I say and fetch the doctor? I've told you, she's lying down. She's not well. Mary, what is all this noise? What is going on here? Dr. Benkari? Yes. My name I am is... Dr. Benkari. Paul Temple. Temple? You never said your name was Temple? There's something wrong, Mr. Temple? Yes, there's a man in the wood at the back of your house. He's very badly injured. He was unconscious when I left him. I'll get my bag, Mr. Temple. I'll be with you in a moment. Thank you, Doctor. Hmm. He's certainly been beaten up. Could I take your torch for a moment, please? Yes, of course. Thank you. <sighs> Just look at his head. Do you recognize him? Uh, no, Mr. Temple. I've never seen him before. Do you know him, Doctor? No. And I'm afraid there's nothing I can do for the poor fellow. He's dead. Yes, I thought it was hopeless. But who is he? And how the devil did he get here? Neither I nor Mr. Cross, he's my secretary, by the way, know this man, Mr. Temple. Can you tell us who he is? Yes, his name is Ted Angus. But what was he doing here? I don't know. That's something the police will have to find out. Huh? I sent my wife to telephone for them as soon as we found him. Oh, I see. And you, Mr. Temple, what were you doing here? I was on my way to see you, Dr. Benkari. To see me? Yes, I tried to make an appointment to see you at your Wimpole Street address, but Mr. Cross here refused. Oh, and why did you wish to see me, Mr. Temple? I'm investigating the murder of Julia Kelvin. I think she was a patient of yours. Yes, she was, for a little while. She was a very sick girl. All the time she lived in great fear, a fear that dominated her. A fear of what, exactly? Well, I only saw her three times, or perhaps four. I tried to get her to talk, but always there was a barrier. I tried to break that barrier down, but it was no use. And what happened? What usually happens in a case of that kind. She failed to turn up for an appointment, and I never saw her again. Dr. Benkari, you knew that Julia Kelburn had been murdered. Yes. Then why didn't you inform the police that she'd been a patient of yours? What was the point? I had nothing to tell them. You could have told them about this phobia, about this fear of hers. And do you think they would have attached importance to it? I think they might. Did Julia Kelburn ever come to see you down here? No. I bought this house so that I could get away from my patients and relax. Which brings us to an interesting question, Mr. Temple. How did you know the doctor had a place down here? I made some inquiries. There's someone coming. Oh, it's the police. And the ambulance. Yes. It's the police, all right. Oh. It was jolly good of Mrs. Harker to send this coffee up. It's just what I needed. Yes, it's been quite a night. Paul. Mm hmm? What did you make of Dr. Benkari? Oh, she's a curious, rather mysterious sort of individual. I certainly didn't like the character who calls himself Larry Cross. That's her secretary? Yes, but he doesn't look like a doctor's secretary. Doesn't look like anyone's secretary. Oh, he's a tough egg, if ever I saw one. Did you tackle him about Ted Angus answering the phone at the Wimpole Street address? No, because they both said they'd never seen Angus before. Uh, what about the local police? Did they know Angus? Well, the inspector was inclined to be a bit cagey. However, when we were at the station, I managed to have a word with him. He's going to get in touch with Sir Graham, so I imagine Rain or somebody else at the yard will take over. I've managed to glean a few odds and ends on my own. Oh, when? When I went into the kitchen to persuade Mrs. Harcourt to make us this coffee. 
I asked her one or two questions. About Mrs. Fletcher. Oh, you mean the daily who used to work for Dr. Benkari? Yes. It seems that after leaving the doctor, Mrs. Fletcher bought a garage at the far end of the high street. Bought a garage? Yes. She's a widow and she's got a son, about 22 or 3. They've made quite a go of the garage. Her son's a good mechanic and Mrs. Fletcher works the pump and sells accessories and so on. But what intrigues all the locals is where she got the money to buy the garage in the first place. Well, perhaps she borrowed it. But a daily woman wouldn't find it easy to raise that sort of money. The most popular theory among the locals is that Dr. Ben Curry played fairy godmother and bought the garage for Mrs. Fletcher. No one knows quite why she should. I see. Did Dr. Benkari strike you as being the, you know, the, the sort of woman who'd do that sort of thing? I don't know. It's difficult to say. You know, this is very interesting about Mrs. Fletcher, Steve. Very interesting. Especially when one remembers what Ted Angus said. Ask Mrs. Fletcher about the coat. Yes. Ask Mrs. Fletcher about the coat. Fred's just bringing your cases down, Mrs. Temple. Oh, thank you, Mrs. Harcourt. I do hope you'll come and stay with us again. Well, I hope so, too. We've been very comfortable. You want to come in the spring, Mrs. Temple? It's lovely round here when the orchards are in bloom. Yes, I'm sure it must be. Oh, here's the car. And here's Fred with the cases. I brought your cases down, Mr. Temple. No, thanks, Fred. Would you put them in the boot? Yes, certainly. Mr. Temple. Yes, Fred? Do you think I could have a word with you before you leave? Yes, of course. Well, uh, we'll go to my office, sir. Uh, wait in the car, Steve. I won't be a minute. All right, darling. I uh, wanted you to take a look at this newspaper, Mr. Temple. Mm -hmm. There's a piece here about this girl that was murdered. It says you're taking an interest in the case. Yes, that's true. Would you say that's a good photograph of her? Well, I never met Julia Kelburn, but this looks like a pretty good photograph, judging from the others I've seen. Why do you ask? Well, I've got a good memory for faces, Mr. Temple. You sort of get the knack of it in this business. You've seen this girl? Yes, you spent the night here. When? It'll be about, uh, about six months ago. Have you got her name in the register? That's another peculiar thing. She signed herself in as Julia Smith. Julia Smith? I wonder why she didn't give her real name. That's what I said to the missus when I saw the newspaper this morning. If there had been a man with her, well, you expect that sort of lark. But she was on her own. Though a man did call for her early next morning. Did you see him? Yes, but I can't remember him as well as I do the girl. He was uh, medium height, I think. Wore rimless glasses and spoke with a bit of an American accent. Was he an American? Uh, I wouldn't like to say for sure. We get a lot of smart Alex down here at the weekends, and half of them try to talk like Yanks. It's uh, difficult to say whether this chap was a real American or not. What sort of terms were they on? You might have thought he was her dad, come to fetch her home. Uh, well, thanks, Fred. I'm most grateful to you for telling me this. It might be very helpful. You did say the garage was at the end of the high street. That's what Mrs. Harcourt said. Well, unless it's round the corner, I shall begin to think we're driving the wrong way. Yes. Paul, that man you were telling me about, uh, the man Fred Harcourt mentioned, he sounded to me like Mike Langdon. Yes, that's what I thought. Was Langdon over here six months ago? He could have been. He travels quite a lot. Oh, turn left, Paul. Look, there's the garage. Ah, oh, yes. 
I suppose that's the sun over there at the petrol pumps. Yes. Steve, ask young Fletcher to fill her up and take a look at the oil. I'm going to have a word with his mother. Keep him talking if you can. Oh, good morning. Do you sell cigarettes? Over this side, sir. Ah, yes, thank you. I'll have 20 of those, please, the filter tips. Thank you, sir. Your change. Thank you. Just driving down to the coast, sir? Uh, no, as a matter of fact, my wife and I spent the night here, at the Red Heart. Oh, not a bad little pub. No, indeed. Um, Mrs. Fletcher, isn't it? Yes, that's right. Uh, Fred Harkett mentioned you. Oh? He said you used to work for Dr. Benkari. Oh, did he? Yes, I'd heard of Dr. Benkari and happened to mention her name. Uh, incidentally, while you were working for the doctor, did you come across a man called Ted Angus? No, I didn't. You've heard the name before, I take it? I can read. It's in the newspapers. Yes, Angus was murdered last night, in the wood not far from Dr. Benkari's place. Yes, I know. But you'd never heard of Angus until you read about him this morning? No, I hadn't. Are you a newspaper man? No. Well, you ought to be. You're nosy enough for one. Ma, could you, uh... Oh, hello. Something wrong? This chap's asking me a lot of questions, Bill. I don't know who he is. Well, I do. <laughs> You're Paul Temple, aren't you? That's right. Thought so. Your photograph's on the back of a book I've been reading. It's all right, Ma. He's nothing to do with the newspapers. Are you from the police, then? No, but I'm helping the police to investigate a murder case. Julia Kelvin. Oh, I read about her. Bit of a hot number, wasn't she? She was a patient of Dr. Benkari's. Go on, was she? Didn't know that, did you, Ma? No, I didn't. But then the doctor has hundreds of patients. Hmm. She was good to Ma, the doctor was. That's Tom Easton's van. Go and see what he wants, Bill. Okay. Mrs. Fletcher, I don't want to make a nuisance of myself, but it might be worth your while to tell me one or two things. What things? My wife and I found Ted Angus last night. He'd been beaten up. Just before he died, he mentioned your name. Ted Angus did? That's right. You, you must be mistaken. No, I wasn't mistaken. Well, what did he say? He said, ask Mrs. Fletcher about the coat. What coat? What was he talking about? I don't know. I was hoping you'd tell me. I, I don't know what this is all about. It, it wasn't me he was referring to. It must have been another Mrs. Fletcher. I see. Very well. I'm sorry to have troubled uh, you. No. Wait a minute. Yes? Have you said anything about this to the police or anyone? No, not a word, and there's no reason why I should. Look, um, here's my card. If you should remember anything about Ted Angus or Julia Kelburn, just give me a ring. Julia Kelburn? I never set eyes on the girl. She was never in these parts. According to Fred Harkett, she was. Well, if you remember anything, give me a ring. It'll be worth your while, Mrs. Fletcher. I assure you. Oh, sorry to keep you waiting. I was in the kitchen. Take one of the cases, Charlie. Yes, sir. The heavy one. Oh, very good, Mr. Oh. Temple. <laughs> oh, before I forget, you've got a visitor. He's in the drawing room. Yes, I was just looking at the hat and gloves. It's a Mr. Kelburn, sir. He's been here about oh, 20 minutes. Kelburn? Yes. Any other messages, Charlie? Uh, yes, a Mr. Langdon telephoned. Twice, as a matter of fact, but he said he'd ring back later. All right. Charlie, I'm expecting Sir Graham Forbes. Show him into the drawing room when he arrives. OK. <laughs> yes, sir. Oh, hello, Kelvin. Sorry to kept you waiting, only my wife and I... Oh, that's all right. I, I apologise for intruding like this. I don't think you met my wife. No, I haven't. Uh, good afternoon, Mrs. Temple. How do you do, Mr. Kelvin? 
Temple, there's no point in beating about the bush. I'll come straight to the point. I've changed my mind. About what, exactly? About your investigation. I want you to withdraw from the case. But surely... Naturally, I'll pay any reasonable fee you decide to ask and expenses... Wait a minute, wait a minute. Why have you changed your mind, Mr. Kelvin? It can't bring Julia back again. No, but... Now, naturally, I appreciate you feel some disappointment in losing a profitable assignment. That's nothing to do with it. I make my money out of books, Kelvin, not other people's troubles. I'm working on this case simply because I became involved in it. There's no other reason. But, Mr. Kelvin, surely you realise that the police are bound to go on with their investigations? Yes. Yes, I realise that. There's nothing I can do about the police, unfortunately. Well, they'll expect you to cooperate. I've already told the police all I know. Very well, if that's your decision. Now, don't be stupid about the financial aspect. I don't expect people to work for nothing. Send your account to my there office. There won't be an account. I started this investigation partly on your behalf. I shall continue it entirely on my own. Oh, that's up to you, of course. But I can't undertake to give you any cooperation. In fact, I may be going abroad in the near future. Very well. I'm sorry about this, Temple, but... These decisions have to be taken. I only hope this is one you won't regret. I'll see you out. Thank you. Uh, goodbye, Mrs. Temple. I'm glad to have met you. It's been a pleasure. Hello? Mrs. Temple? Yes? Oh, this is Mike Langdon. Do you think I could have a word with your husband? Yes. Uh, hold on. Who is it, Steve? It's Mr. Langdon. Oh, oh thank you. Hello, Langdon. I'm sorry I, I was out when you called earlier. Oh, that's all right. I just wanted you to know I'm going back to the States at the end of the week. I see. But I'd like to see you again, if possible, before yes. I leave. Yes, of course. Um, why not come round straight away? Oh, thanks. That suits me fine. Then I'll expect you shortly. Right. Goodbye. Goodbye, Langdon. What did he want? He's going back to New York at the end of the week and wants to see me before he leaves. Well, having just met his employer, I feel quite sorry for Langdon. Although, no doubt, he can take care of himself. Yes, I think he... What is it, Charlie? It's Sir Graham, sir, and Superintendent Rain. Ah, oh, hello. Come in. Ah, oh, hello, Steve. Hello, Sir Graham. Good afternoon, Superintendent. Good afternoon, Mrs. Temple. Um, I'll go and see about some tea, Paul. All right. Uh, Temple, was that Kelburn we saw getting into his car? Yes. He seemed to be in a bit of a flap. Yes, I think he is. He asked me to withdraw from the case, Sir Graham. He says he doesn't want me to make any further investigations. Why should he ask you to do that? He didn't say why, but I got the impression he was frightened. Frightened? Of what? I don't know. You mean you think someone's bringing pressure to bear on him? Yes, or he's just plain frightened. Perhaps he knew that Ted Angus... Yes, that's just what I was thinking, Temple. Tell us about Ted Angus, Mr. Temple. What exactly happened last night? Well, Steve and I went down to Westerton. You know why. I told you on the phone about Steve's visit to the dress shop and Dr. Benkari. Yes. Well, after dinner, we went for a drive. I wanted to take a look at Dr. Benkari's place. We parked the car and walked through the wood towards the house. Suddenly, we heard someone moaning. It was Ted Angus. He'd been beaten up. Then what happened? Steve went for the police, and I fetched Dr. Benkari. Did she recognize Angus? She said she'd never seen him before, and that went for the secretary, too. The secretary? Hmm, a deadpan character called Larry Cross. Uh, did the doctor ask you what you were doing down there? Yes, she did. I said I was on my way to see her and that I wanted to question her about Julia Kelvin. How did she react to that? She wasn't particularly helpful. She said that Julia had some kind of a complex and during two or three interviews she'd failed to get to the bottom of it. Mm. In other words, she stalled. Yes. Well, we know Miss Kelburn's trouble. We probably know why she consulted the doctor. What do you mean? Julia Kelburn was a drug addict. How did this come out? A medical report on the post-mortem. 
Oh, incidentally, keep this to yourself, Temple. Yes, yes, of course. I wonder if Kelvin knows, and that's why he wants me to drop the case. Yes, it's a possibility. Well, let's face it, no one likes that sort of publicity. No. All right, I'll check on this Dr. Benkari, Mr. Temple, see what a background is. I'll let you know what we find out. Thank you, Superintendent. Oh, I meant to ask you, what about young Wyman? Is he all right now? Yes, he went back to work last night. I went to see him. Well? I didn't say much. I got the impression he thought that Angus had smashed into his car deliberately. That kid's scared. If we could get on the right side of him, I think he'd talk. Yes, that's my impression. He's at the hide-and-seek, isn't he? Uh, that's, that's right, in Leicester Square. What time does he come on? Oh, about 11.30. What's all this about the hide-and-seek? Oh, we're talking about Tony Wyman, Steve. Oh, yes. How is he, Sir Graham? Oh, he's all right now. He's back at work. <laughs> if you can call it work. Oh, it's work all right, Mrs. Temple. You should have seen him last night. The sweat was pouring off him. Oh, charming. I'd like you to have another talk with him, Temple. Tonight, if possible. Yeah, it might be quite an idea. I'll get Charlie to book a table. I take it I'm in on this, Paul? Yes, of course. You can wear your new dress. I can't. It hasn't arrived yet. No. <laughs> oh, here's the tea. I don't think we can stop the tea, Steve. Is Nonsense. It? Everything stops for tea in this house. Uh, Mr. Langdon to see you, sir. No, oh, come in, Langdon. Well, sorry, it took me a little longer than I expected. Hmm. Sit down. Oh, thanks. Can I get you a drink? Uh, no, I won't have a drink, if you don't mind. The Temple, I wanted to see you about Kelburn. No. What about Kelburn? Well, quite frankly, I'm baffled. Baffled? Yeah. At one time, he was quite determined to find out who murdered Julia, but now... Well, I'm sorry, Temple, but I'm afraid he wants you to withdraw from the case. Yes, I know. You know? Yes, Kelburn's been here. He has? Langdon, tell me, why do you think he's changed his mind? Has something happened? Well, it all started with a letter he received this morning. Did he tell you what was in it? No, he simply sent for me in the middle of the morning and told me he'd changed his mind. I argued with him, of course, but it was of no use. Never is, once he's made up his mind. Have you noticed anything else about Kelvin? What do you mean? Well, has his attitude changed in other directions? Towards his wife, for instance? Yes, I think it has. Up to a couple of days ago, they seemed to get along fine together. But on Monday night, I happened to go downstairs fairly late to collect a book I was reading. Well, they were in the drawing room and rowing like crazy. I only heard the tail end of it, but brother, it was one heck of a row. I heard Kelvin say, If you go on like this, you'll finish up the same way as Julia. Finish up the same way as Julia? Yeah. Kind of shook me. Whether he meant Linda would finish up in the river or whether he... Oh, well, I don't know what he meant. But one thing I do know, I'll be mighty glad to get away from the Kelvin family and, and get back to New York. Yes, I can imagine that. Langdon, tell me, when were you last in England? Hmm? Oh, about six months ago. I came over to talk with Kelvin about a printing process. You didn't by any chance visit a pub called the Red Heart at Westerton? Westerton? No, no, I don't think so. Where's that? It's in Kent, about 40 miles from London. No, I've never been there. Oh, I might have passed through it, but I, I don't remember the place. Why do you ask? No, nothing. I wondered, that's all. Well, there's no sign of Tony Wyman. And it's nearly 40 minutes since he finished his act. Where have we got, my nephew? 
Well, if he didn't, I suppose... Oh, um, isn't this him coming across the floor? Sorry to catch you, Mr. Temple. I, uh, had to make a couple of phone calls, then my agent popped in and I couldn't get rid of him. Still waiting for me, as a matter of fact, so I can only spare you a couple of minutes. Oh, that's all right, will Sit down, won't you? Oh, I don't think you know my wife. No, I don't. Uh, hello? Hello. We enjoyed your act. Thanks. Uh, wasn't up tonight. I wasn't feeling too good. I expect you're still feeling a bit shaky. Yeah, I am. Doctor says I'm okay, but oh, blimey, I don't feel it. I suppose you read about the man who crashed into us, Ted Angus. Yeah. He was murdered. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. Angus smashed into your car quite deliberately. He was out to get one of us, and I think it was you, Tony. Thanks, you've made my night. You were going to tell me something just before the accident happened. What was it? Don't remember. But you must remember. I've told you I don't remember. Was it about uh, Dr. Benkari? Who's Dr. Benkari? No, don't be stupid, Tony. It was you who told me about her. I tell you, I don't Incidentally, know. Incidentally, Ted Angus was found 200 yards from the doctor's cottage. Did you know that? No. Well, he was. No, I didn't. Look, 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 Mr. Temple, my manager's told me to keep my mouth shut. He says I've done too much talking and I think he's right. I, I don't know anything about this bloke, Angus, about Dr. Benkari, about Julia Kelpin, about nothing. I just know nothing. All right, Tony. But if you get into trouble... What do you mean, trouble? The sort of trouble that manager of yours can't get you out of. Give me a ring. I don't know why you should talk to me like this, Mr. Temple. I shan't get into any trouble. I keep my nose clean. I always have done. I shan't get into any trouble. Well, I hope you're right. Good night, Mrs. Temple. Good night. I'm glad you enjoyed the act. <laughs> well, what do you make of him, Steve? My goodness, that's a frightened young man, if ever I saw one. This taxi seems to be taking ages, Paul. At one o'clock in the morning. I wish we bought the car. Yeah, so do I now. Now, why is he slowing down? Traffic lights, dear. Oh. You know, I've been thinking about Tony Wyman. It seems quite fantastic to me that a girl like Julia Kelvin. Uh, what is it, Paul? The people in that car. On the right, Steve. Where? The sports car. Don't let them see you. Who is it? It's Mrs. Kelvin and Larry Cross. Who's Larry Cross? Oh, the doctor's secretary. Yes, don't let them see you, Steve. Paul, that man. The, the, the one you say is Larry Cross. Yes. I've seen him before. Where? I'm sure I have. He was at the airport. At the airport? Yes. He was the man in the uniform, the man I told you about. The airport official. He had a moustache then, but it's the same man. You sure, Steve? I'm positive. I know I was in a pretty bad state that night, but... Oh, yes. Yes, I'm sure I'm right. Sit back, Steve. But what are we going to do? Shall we tell the driver to follow them? What, in this taxi? Don't be silly, darling. <sighs> I expect Charlie's in bed. Oh, no, I'm not, Mrs. Oh, Temple. Oh, hello. I'm just making myself a nice cup of tea. Would you both like a cup? I'm more in the mood for whiskey and soda. What about you, Steve? Oh, what's this box, Charlie? Oh, it's my dress and Daphne Drake's. Mm. Oh, yes, a young lady delivered it just after you left. I'll take it upstairs, Mrs. Temple. Yes, thank you. Put it in the dressing room. Yes, Mrs. Temple. You're going to have a nightcap, Steve? Yes, pour me a brandy, darling, just a tiny one. I'm going to try my dress on. What, at this hour of the morning? Well, I'll be down in a minute. And pour yourself a stiff one, because you'll need it when I tell you what I've paid for the dress. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Hello? Mr. Temple.
Yes, speaking. Who is that? It's... it's Margot. Margot? Mr. Temple, don't let your wife open the box. Which box? Do you mean the one from the dress shop? Yes, don't let her touch it. Whatever you do, don't let her touch it, Mr. Temple. Steve! Steve! Steve, don't open the box! Steve! Steve! Steve, don't open the box! Steve, oh. darling, are you hurt? No, I, no, I don't think so. You sure? No, I'm all right. Uh, I, I seem to be all in one piece anyway. Oh, goodness. Mrs. Temple, for heaven's sake, what happened? Oh. Bring some brandy, Charlie. Yeah, but what happened? Bring the brandy. Okey doke. Now, sit down, darling. Oh, Paul, just look at the dressing no, room. No, no, never mind the dressing room. Sit down, Steve. Oh, gosh. Well, things do happen to the temples, uh. don't they? Never a dull moment. No. Now, tell me exactly what happened. Well, I took the parcel into the dressing room and started to undo it there. Mm. And I heard you shouting and went to the bedroom. I got as far as the door and the thing exploded. Thank goodness you shouted, Paul. Yes. But why did you shout? A, a woman telephoned. She warned me about the parcel. What woman? She said her name was Margot, but I'm pretty sure it was Mrs. Fletcher. Mrs. Fletcher? Hmm. Well, whoever it was, thank goodness she did telephone. Yes. Let's go downstairs, darling. We'll clear this mess up later. But, Paul, I can't for the life of me think why anyone at Daphne Drake should do a thing like that. After all, they'd be the first to be questioned. Yes. Let's think back a bit, Steve. It was Linda Kelburn who sent us to Daphne Drake's in the first place because she said that Julia bought most of her clothes there. Yes, that's right. But surely you don't think that Linda had anything to do with tonight? I wouldn't be too sure. Well, I... After all, what was she doing with Larry Cross, Dr. Mencari's so-called secretary? Mm -hmm. And why did she make two telephone calls to us and then flatly deny that she made them? No, there's something very odd about Mrs. Kelburn, Steve. Hmm. If I remember rightly, you said you met Linda when I was in America. That's right. Twice. Twice? Yes, I met her at Harridge's on the Saturday morning. That was the day after you'd left. Mm -hmm. We had coffee together. And about uh, three weeks later, she phoned and said that she wanted to see you. And you said I was in the States. That's right. Well, a few days later, I met her again, and naturally I mentioned the phone call, and you know what happened. She said she hadn't made it. Yes. Steve, the first time you met her in Harridge's... What did you talk about? Oh, old times, Fleet Street, the usual gossip. She said she'd read a book of yours and didn't think it was very good. Oh, charming. Well, it turned out you hadn't written it, so I was delighted. <laughs> so am I. But nothing particular happened on that occasion. I mean, nothing unusual. No, nothing. Oh, she asked me to post a letter for her. Post a letter? Yes, I happened to mention that I was going up to the fourth floor to buy some stamps and... She said she had a letter she'd forgotten to post, and would I post it for her? Who was the letter to? <laughs> I didn't look. Uh, did it have a threepenny stamp? I don't know. Paul, what are you thinking about? Um, what's that, Steve? I said, what are you thinking about? I was just thinking I'd have another brandy, darling. But who did you see, Ray? Was it the proprietor? I think she's the manageress, Sir Graham. They called her Miss Elsie. That's the woman who attended to Steve. Yes, that's right. Apparently, they were going to deliver the parcel themselves, and 
Then about four o'clock, a young woman called and said she'd been asked by Mrs. Temple to collect the dress. Well, naturally, they thought the woman was bona fide, so... So they handed it over? Yes. Then, of course, the girl obviously switched parcels. Well, it sounds feasible, I must admit. Did you get a description of this girl? Well, pretty vague. You know, I don't think we'll get anywhere with this investigation until we find the motive. And I don't mean the motive for what happened last night, but the motive for the murder. Well, surely the most likely lead is the fact that Julia Kelburn was a drug addict. Yes. I suppose you've consulted the narcotics people. Oh, yes, they've been briefed, but they haven't come up with anything. Not yet, at any rate. What about this doctor, Benkari? I saw her yesterday. Well, she seems to be genuine. She's been practicing in town for the last ten years. I didn't get much information out of her about Julia Kelburn. She was very cagey. Did you meet her secretary, Larry Cross? Yes, I did. He doesn't look a bit like my idea of a Dr. Kelburn. She was very cagey. We saw him last night, by the way, when we were returning from the hide-and-seek. He was with Mrs. Kelburn. With Linda Kelburn? Mm. They were in a sports car. Cross was driving. Incidentally, Steve thinks that Cross was the man who spoke to her at London Airport. You know, the phony BOAC official. What, she recognised him? Hmm. But don't do anything. Not yet, Rain. Steve may be mistaken. If... Excuse me, sir. Mr. Kelburn to see you. Oh, yes. Show him in, Sergeant. Yes, sir. Did you send for Kelburn, Sir Graham? Yes, I did. I think it's only fair we tell him about this new development. You mean the drugs? Yes, he's a right to know, and in any case, he may be able to help us. Mr. Kelburn, sir. Oh, come in, Mr. Kelburn. My name is Forbes. I think you've met Superintendent Rain and Mr. Temple? Yes, I have. Please sit down. I'd rather stand, if you don't mind. I didn't expect to find you here, Temple. I had an appointment with Sir Graham. I'm just about to leave. Oh, there's no reason for you to leave, so far as I'm concerned. What is it you want, Sir Graham? Certain information has reached us concerning your daughter. We thought it only fair that... that you should be made aware of it. What information? What are you referring to? I'm afraid it's been established, Mr. Kelburn, that your daughter took drugs. She was a drug addict. Oh. You don't seem very surprised. No. No, I'm not. You knew? Yes. How long have you known, sir? About two or three days, I... I think perhaps I will sit down, Sir Graham, after all. Oh, yes, yes, of course. That's why I tried to stop your investigations, Temple. I thought if you found out about Julia taking drugs, then the press would get onto it and, well, the whole unsavory business would be revived again. Who told you your daughter was a drug addict, sir? I do wish you wouldn't use that phrase, Superintendent. No one told me. I, I just sensed it. Just sensed it? Yes. Mr. Kelburn, part of the time, Julia mixed with people of her own set, but at other times with quite a different crowd, the arty, crafty type, people on the fringe of the underworld. Nonsense. It isn't nonsense. Your daughter took drugs, therefore she got them somewhere. Now, our respectable friends wouldn't peddle the stuff, so it's my guess... No one's interested in your guesses, Temple. On the contrary. I'll make a guess that'll interest you, interest you very much. What do you mean? I don't believe you just sensed that your daughter took drugs. My guess is someone wrote you a letter about Julia and told you that she was a drug addict. Am I right? Yes. Who wrote the letter? A girl. A very old friend of Julia's. Yes. Fiona came to the house quite often. She was a nice girl, highly respectable, and she was always trying to persuade Julia to live a more useful life and, well, to settle down. After the murder, Fiona wrote me a letter, Temple saying that I'd made a mistake in asking you to investigate the case. Why? Uh, she said you were bound to discover that Julia had taken drugs and the inevitable consequence would be weeks of unsavory publicity. Who is this girl, Fiona? What's her surname, Mr. Kelvin? 
I'm sorry. I'm not prepared to divulge that. But you must divulge it. We've got to question the girl. No one's questioning her. Whatever happens, I'm not having Fiona subjected to police examination. The girl wrote me the letter simply out of kindness. Mr. Kelvin, I appreciate your point of view, but you've got to tell us who this girl is. We're investigating a murder case. I'm sorry, Sir Graham. I made up my mind about this. I suppose you know, sir, that it's an offence to withhold information from the police. Yes, I know. But I'm still going to withhold it, Superintendent. But what happened when Kelvin refused to tell them who wrote the letter? Nothing, darling. What could Sir Graham do? Rain got rather pompous, of course, but it didn't get him anywhere. But surely you'll have to tell them who this Fiona person is sooner or later. Perhaps she is a very nice girl, but she still may be able to help the police. Mm, I agree, but I doubt very much whether Kelvin will change his mind, in his present mood at any rate. What's in the envelope, Paul? Hmm? Oh, some photographs. They were taken for me yesterday and delivered to the club. Photographs of what? Oh, Mike Langdon. Yes. Not bad either, considering they were taken in the street without his knowing. I suppose you're going to show them to Fred Harcourt at the Red Heart. Yes, I want to know whether Langdon really was the man who called for Julia Kelvin that morning. Well, I think he was. I've got a sort of intuition about Mr. Langdon. <laughs> well, you get that intuition of yours to work on Mrs. Fletcher. Tell me how she fits into the picture. I wish I could. I just can't make head or tail of Mrs. Fletcher. But if it was her on the phone last night, I'm more than grateful to oh, her. Oh, it was Mrs. Fletcher, all right, I'm sure. Are you going to try and say a while we're in Weston? Yes, I am. For one thing, I want to ask her who... Oh, turn right here, Steve. Oh, is this the way to Weston? No, it isn't. I... But I've got a call to make first. You'll see a modern block of flats at the top of the hill, Monte Carlo Mansions. Oh. I want you to stop there. Who on earth lives at Monte Carlo Mansions? Well, who do you think? Mr. Tony Wyman, of course. Good morning. Oh, oh it's you. Hey, what's the big idea waking me up this hour of the morning? It's nearly 12 o'clock, Wyman. All right, it's nearly 12 o'clock, so what? I want to talk to you. May I come in? Well, it ain't very convenient, but come in if you want to. Yeah, I want to. Ah, what's all this about? You ain't going to ask me the same questions all over again, are you? I'm a busy man, Mr Temple. Mm, you look busy, especially in those pyjamas. In fact, it's a very busy little flat. Look, uh, look, you trying to be funny? Why didn't you tell me about Julia? What do you mean? Why didn't you tell me she took drugs? Took, took drugs? Yes, and don't tell me you didn't know, because I shan't believe you. I, I didn't. <laughs> I, I didn't. Honest, I didn't. That's not what Fiona told me. Fiona? Oh, you mean Fiona Scott? Who else? But why should Fiona Scott tell you that I... Oh, blimey, I only saw the girl once. Julia took me down to Brighton to see her one Sunday. And I stuck up little bird she was, too. I'll just make a dozen words to me. I don't believe that she told you that. Look, look, are you giving me the runaround? Trying to pin something on me? No, strange though it may seem, I'm not trying to pin anything on anyone. Goodbye, Tony, you've been most helpful. 
What do you mean, most helpful? What I say, most helpful. Don't trouble to see me out. Well, how was the boy genius? Oh, slightly temperamental. But he told me what I wanted to know. Good. Where now, Westerton? Yes, but uh, stop at the Fletcher's garage first. Fiona what? What did you say? I said Fiona what? <laughs> Fiona Scott. Oh. She lives at Brighton. So you knew what I was up to. <laughs> Don't be silly. <laughs> the garage. Do you want me to drive in or pull up here? Oh, I should drive in, darling. We need some petrol. Hello. That's Dr. Bencari over there with Larry Cross. Oh, yes. You better not drive in, Steve. Pull up here. Stay in the car. I don't want Cross to know you've recognised him. Yes, all right. I shall tell Bill Fletcher I'm having trouble with the car, so don't be surprised if we come back and take a look at it. Good afternoon. I'm having trouble with my car. I wonder if you uh, could... Be with you in a moment, sir. Thank you. Good afternoon, Mr. Temple. Oh, hello, Doctor. What are you doing in this part of the world? I'm on my way to the coast, and the wretched car's gone all temperamental. Uh, is this chap any good? Yes, I think he's a good mechanic. We had a friend of yours down here yesterday, Temple. Superintendent Rain. Yes, I believe. Asked a lot of silly questions. He seems to think there's a connection between the Ted Angus murder and the Kelvin affair. Can't imagine why. Well, perhaps you haven't got sufficient imagination, Mr. Cross. What do you mean? Do you think there's a connection, Mr. Temple? Yes, I do. Well, tell us. We're always keen to learn. <laughs> you should have asked the superintendent that question. Oh, we did, but unfortunately he didn't enlighten us. Nineteen and four, Doctor, please. Charge it to my account, will you? Oh, and Bill, ask your mother to telephone me when she gets back. Yes, I'll do that. Goodbye, Temple. Goodbye. Goodbye, Doctor. Goodbye, Mr. Temple. I expect we shall meet again sometime. Having trouble with your car, Mr. Temple? Uh, what? Oh, um, no. No, I wanted to talk to you. Talk to me? What about? About your mother. Okay. Well, let's go in the office. Hmm? Is your mother away? Uh, yes, she's up in town seeing my Aunt Gladys. Dr. Benkari asked you to get your mother to phone her. Are they close friends? Well, I suppose you could say that. Mother used to work up at her place, and when we moved down here, the doctor became one of our best customers. Do you like the doctor? She's been very good to Mother. That wasn't what I asked you. I'd sooner keep my likes and dislikes to myself, Mr. Temple. <laughs> Wise man. It's just that your mother did me a very great favour, and I'd like to repay her. My mother did you a favour? Hmm. An attempt was made on my life and on my wife's, and your mother phoned and tipped me off. Otherwise, I might not be here today. Oh, this is news to me. Are you sure it was my mother who telephoned you? I'm pretty sure. Well, Mother wouldn't expect any money, you know, even if she did do you a favour. No, no, I wasn't thinking of that. I had a feeling she was in some kind of trouble, and it occurred to me that I might be able to help her in some way. <laughs> I have a certain amount of influence, you know, and... Yes, I know, Mr Temple, but how did you know my mother was in trouble? Bill, why don't you tell me about it? I give you my word I'll treat the whole thing in confidence. 
Well, it's like this, Mr. Temple. When I was a lad, we, we used to live at Little Weston, about two miles away. Dad died when I was 16, and Mother went out to work. It wasn't much money, but I got a job in the garage at Little Weston. And when I was 19, we came to live here. Mother got this job with Dr. Benkari, and she managed to fix me up at Perrymount Engineering, you know, helping to repair tractors and things. Mm -hmm. Go on. Well, we went on steadily enough, and then Mother started going to the doctor's afternoons as well as mornings, sometimes evenings as well. Then, after about two years, she came home one night and said she'd finished at the doctor's and was buying this garage, which had just come onto the market. She got it cheap enough, too, on account of putting down the ready. Do you think your mother saved enough money to buy it? No. She couldn't have saved a quarter of it. I asked her where the rest of it came from, but she'd never let on. Said she'd managed to raise a loan, and it was her business. I see. But in spite of everything, Mr. Temple, Mother isn't happy. I'm sure she isn't. Don't ask me why, but she just isn't. You said she's in London at the moment. Yeah. Yes, she's, she's always popping up to town these days to see her sister. That's my Aunt Gladys. They've never been as friendly. <laughs> In the old days, Mother used to say they only met at weddings and funerals. You sound a bit suspicious of your aunt. Oh, no, it isn't that. Well, but... have you any reason for suspecting that your mother doesn't see her when she goes up to London? No. No, but... Well, after one of these trips, I, I saw a theatre programme sticking out of her handbag. It was from the Regency Theatre at Brighton. Well, she could have gone to Brighton. It's not very far from London. Perhaps she took your aunt there. <laughs> Why didn't she tell me about it? One time she used to tell me everything. Of course, there may be a very simple explanation for all this. I don't know whether it's occurred to you, Bill. Oh, what's that? Your mother might have fallen in love with someone. Oh, oh no, it's not that, Mr. Temple. How do you know? Well, she'd have told me if it was anything like that. She's friendly with lots of chaps around here, you know. We've had a laugh over them. But she knows I wouldn't mind her marrying again. She had a rough time with my dad, and I've often told her she's entitled to a second chance if she meets the right man. I see. Well, if she isn't seeing your aunt, she's obviously seeing someone on these trips of hers. Yeah. And you've no idea who it is? No, I haven't. All I know is that after every trip, she comes home looking more worried than ever. Has your mother received any strange telephone calls lately, or visitors? Yes, or... yes, she has. There was one chap. He came to the house late one night, about two months ago. And can you tell me anything about him? Well, mother and he had a row. She thought I was asleep in bed, but when I heard voices, I went to the top of the stairs. They were standing in the hall, arguing with each other. I'd never seen the man before, but I think he was an American. American? Yes. Did you see him? Clearly, I mean. Yes. Then you'd recognise him again? I think so. Yes, I'm sure I would. Then take a look at these photographs. Yes. Yes, th that's him. That's the chap, all right. You're sure? I'm positive. But how on earth do you get these photographs? Oh, don't worry about the photographs, Bill. Just tell me what happened. Well, there was a row, a, a first-class one. And the funny thing is, so far as I could make out, it was all over a blinking coat. Over a coat? Yeah. Mother had a coat over her arm and she kept saying... There's the coat and I don't want anything more to do with it. I don't think you realise what you're doing. Oh, yes, I do. I know what I'm doing all right. Somebody's got to take this to Margaret. Well, it's not going to be me. Now, don't be so darn awkward. It's got to be you. Let Julia take it for once. You know perfectly well Julia can't take it. Bracken isn't safe for Julia. In any case, she refuses to have anything to do with it. And she isn't the only one. I just don't understand this change of attitude. You've always done as you were told in the past. Yes, well, the past is the past. Let other people do the dirty work for a change. But why? The setup's just the same. Things haven't changed. You simply meet Margot in the usual place and hand over the coat. 
There's no risk attached to it and plenty of dough. I tell you, I'm not doing it. Now, clear off. I don't want you to wake the boy up. There'll be trouble. I suppose you realize that. All right, there'll be trouble. If Ben Carey gets to know about this... Tell her, ducks. Tell her. Go ahead, tell her. Oh, you must be nuts. You know Ben Carey. You know what'll happen if she thinks you're trying to break away. You can say two words to Dr. Ben Carey. Just two words. Edgar Northampton. Edgar Northampton? That's right. Well, who the heck's Edgar Northampton? <laughs> Never you mind. But if Ben Carey gets awkward, mention that name. She'll understand if you don't. Now, take the coat. I don't want it. I hope you know what you're doing. I know what I'm doing, all right. And then what happened? The man left, and I went back to bed. And I don't mind telling you, I lay awake for two or three hours trying to figure things out. And I'm no clearer about it now than I was then. Did you tell your mother what you'd heard? No, I never mentioned it. You're quite sure you heard the name Margot mentioned? Yep. And Julia? Yes. Did it occur to you that they were talking about Julia Kelburn? Julia Kelburn? What, the, the girl that was murdered? Yes. No, I, I never thought of that. She was a patient of Dr. Benkari, so it's possible that your mother knew her. Yes, I suppose... Mr... Mr. Temple, you... You don't think my mother had anything to do with the murder? I don't think your mother committed the murder, Bill, if that's what you mean. But it's my guess she knows who did. Oh, no. If my mother's got into trouble, Mr. Temple, it's because of me. She always wanted me to have a good start in life, to have a garage of my own. And even when I was a don't kid... Don't worry, Bill, don't worry. We'll sort this out. Now, tell me, I want to get this straight. You heard the man say to your mother... You know Ben Kari. You know what'll happen if she thinks you're trying to break away. Yes. And your mother replied? She said, you can say two words to Dr. Ben Kari, just two words. Edgar Northampton. But don't ask me what she meant, Mr. Temple, because I haven't a clue. I don't anyone call Northampton. Never heard the name before. You sure? I'm positive. Now, listen, try not to worry too much about this, Bill, and keep your eyes and ears open. If you see anything or hear anything which you think might be of interest to me... I thought you'd walked out of my life. <laughs> Sorry, darling. I got caught up. Did you see Mrs. Fletcher? No, she's away. Where? I don't know. What's young Fletcher like? Oh, he's an innocent, hard-working young chap, but I'm afraid his mother's kept him in the dark about quite a lot of things. That's what's worrying him at the moment. Did he tell you anything about Dr. Ben Carly? Yes, and he also told me something about Mike Langdon. Langdon? Hmm. Langdon was down here a little while ago. He tried to persuade Mrs. Fletcher to take a coat to someone in Brighton. Someone called Margot. Margot? Hmm. But oddly enough, that doesn't interest me as much as the Brighton angle. Why? Remember, Tony Wyman told me that he met Julia Kelburn's friend, Fiona, at Brighton. Oh, yes. You think Margot and this Fiona Scott might be one and the same person? I don't know. It's possible, I suppose. We'll skip the red heart, darling, and go down to Brighton. Yes. All right, Paul. Have you any idea how long we'll stay in Brighton? Oh, probably two or three days. 
But we haven't anything for this, Paul. What are we going to do? We'll stop in the next town and telephone Charlie. He can bring some things down to us on the next train. Oh, yes, that's a good idea. Uh, have you got any money on you, Steve? <laughs> About 30 shillings. Oh, I've only got two or three pounds. Oh, we'll need more than that. Mm. What's the next town? I think it's, um, Tenterhurst. Well, if we see a bank pull up, then you can go into a box and phone Charlie while I'm trying to cash a cheque. All right. Where shall I tell Charlie we're staying? Uh, what's that hotel we stayed at before on the front? Uh, the palace, wasn't it? Ah, uh-huh, that's it. Tell him we're at the palace. Good afternoon, sir. Oh, good afternoon. I, I have an account at your Shaftesbury Avenue branch, and I want to cash a cheque. I see, sir. Can I have your name, please? Temple. Paul Temple. Oh. Uh, how much did you want, Mr. Temple? I've made the cheque out for £50. I see. Well, uh, would you mind waiting while I have a word with the manager, sir? No, no, not at all. Good afternoon, Mr. Temple. Good afternoon. Would you care to come into my office for a moment? Yes, certainly. Do sit down. Oh, thank you. Uh, I'm sorry if this is inconvenient, but my wife and I happen not to be... Not at all, not at all, Mr. Temple. It's what we're here for. I'm delighted to meet you. Thank you. My daughter will be very thrilled when she hears about this. She yeah. enjoyed your last book enormously. Never stop talking about it. Well, you're very kind. Well, how do you like this, Mr. Temple? In five? Uh, yes, thank you. That would do admirably. If you would be kind enough to sign this slip. Mm, of course. You rang, sir? Oh, yes, Wilson. Here's Mr. Temple's cheque. He wants £50 in fives. And see if you can find some new notes. Very good, Mr. Northampton. Well, I hope we shall have the pleasure of seeing you again in Tenterhurst, Mr. Temple. I hope so, too, Mr. Northampton. Yes? Edgar Northampton. That's right, Mr. Temple. You rang, sir? Yes, Wilson. Here's Mr. Temple's cheque. He wants £50 in fives. See if you can find some new notes. Very good, Mr. Northampton. Well, I hope we shall have the pleasure of seeing you again in Tenterhurst, Mr. Temple. I hope so, too, Mr. Northampton. Yes? Edgar Northampton. Oh, that's right, Mr. Temple. But how... I heard your name mentioned when I was getting some petrol at the garage in Westerton. Oh, yes, yes. We have a sub-branch there, Tuesdays and Fridays. Oh, then I expect you know Mrs. Fletcher and her son. They keep the garage in the high street. Fletcher? Now, let me think now. Oh, yes, I remember. We met at a garden fete about eight months ago. When she discovered I was a bank manager, she was rather anxious to get my advice. <laughs> I expect people are always after free advice. Oh, they are indeed. Still, advice costs nothing, as they say. <laughs> Fifty and five, sir. Oh, thank you, Wilson. Here's a cheque. Thank you, sir. Well, there we are, Mr. Temple. I'll just count them for you. Ten fives. Oh, thank you very much. Well, I must be getting along. My wife's waiting for me in the car. Well, any time you're passing, Mr. Temple, we'll be delighted to see you. Thank you. Ah, hello, Mr. Temple. Oh, good afternoon, Mr. Cross. I uh, had to dash over to cash a check for the doctor. Ten ones, five in halves, Mr. Cross. Thank you. Oh, I'd like a new checkbook, 30 open. Yes, sir. You find that sports car of yours expensive to run, Mr. Cross? Sports car? Mm, the cream one, the one I saw you in the other night with Linda Kelburn. Who's Linda Kelburn? She's George Kelburn's wife, Julia's stepmother. You saw me with Mrs. Kelburn? Yes. Where? Leicester Square. You certainly didn't. I don't know Mrs. Kelvin. I don't know any of the Kelvins. Didn't you know Julia? No, why should I? She was a patient of Dr. Benkari's. So what? You're the doctor's secretary. Surely you know her patients. Not all of them. 
I see. Your checkbook, sir. Thank you. Goodbye, Temple. Goodbye. Oh, if you see me in that sports car again, stop me. I'd like to take a look at it. I'll bear that in mind, Mr. Cross. Oh, did you get the money? Yes. Well, you've been ages. Mm, I've been talking to Larry Cross. He was cashing a check. Yes, I saw him going into the bank. I had a good look at him this time, and I was right, Paul. He was the man I told you about, the man at London Airport. I'm not surprised. He's a nasty piece of work. Well, come on, Steve, Brighton. All right. Did you telephone Charlie? Yes. He's catching the four o'clock train. Room 528, Mr. Temple. Oh, thank you. I'll have your baggage sent up to your room, sir. <laughs> I'm afraid we haven't any at the moment. Oh, indeed, sir. We're having our things brought down from London. Uh, would you have them sent up to our room as soon as they arrive? Oh, yes, of course, Mr. Temple. Your key. <laughs> thank you. Oh, good afternoon. Mr. George Kelvin is expecting me. Uh, your name, sir? Langdon. Uh, just a minute, sir. Hello, Langdon. Temple. Well, what do you know? Hello, Mrs. Temple. Good afternoon, Mr. Lennon. Well, this really is a pleasure. I had no idea you'd be down here. Oh, we thought we needed a breath of sea air. You're not the only ones. Kelvin's got the same idea. I thought you were going back to the States, Mr. Langdon. I was, Mrs. Temple. I was due to leave this morning, but Kelvin made me cancel. Why? Well, there seems to be an awful lot of work to do, and he doesn't seem able to handle it. I guess he's, well, he's gotten used to having me around. That's about it. Mm, I'm sure you've been a great help, Langdon. Yeah, I know, but... He expects me to interfere in affairs which don't really concern me. Family affairs? Yeah. Only the other day he was asking my advice about a divorce. Oh, don't tell me he'll expect you to handle that for him. <laughs> You'd be surprised what he expects me to handle, Mrs. Temple. Is he interested in some other woman, do you think? Oh, why, no. The boot's on the other foot, if anything. No. I've seen Linda out twice recently with another man. A tall, dark-haired, hatchet-faced man of about 40. Yeah, yeah, could be. I think you'll find he's Dr. Benkari's secretary. Dr. Benkari? That's the doctor Julia consulted. That's right. Do you know this character Linda was with then? I've met him. When? During the course of my investigations. But how did Mrs. Kelburn meet him? That's what I'd like to know. Well, maybe she went with Julia one day. To the doctors, I mean. Hmm. That's certainly a possible explanation. Excuse me, sir. Mr. Kelvin says you may go up now. It's room 219, second floor. Oh, thank you. Will you be staying on in London, Langdon? No, oh, that's up to Kelvin. But I can tell you one thing. The moment he gives the word, I'll be heading straight back to New York. Well, Fiona Scott's not in the phone book. I can't say I'm surprised. I didn't expect it to be that easy. Were you surprised to see Langdon down here? Not really. Why? Because of what Bill Fletcher told me. What do you mean? Langdon tried to persuade his mother to bring a coat to Brighton to deliver it to Margot. Do you think that Margot and this girl, Fiona Scott, are one and the same person? <laughs> you asked me that question before, Steve. I don't know. According to Kelvin, Fiona Scott is a highly respectable young lady who disapproved of Julia's more sensational friends. Well, I should forget all about Fiona Scott, and I should concentrate on Mike Langdon. Hmm. And what about the other suspects? Larry Cross, Tony Wyman, Mrs. Fletcher, Dr. Benkari, Edgar Northampton. The bank manager? You don't think he had anything to do with this? Well, Mrs. Fletcher implied that he knew something about Dr. Benkari. What sort of a man was he? Edgar Northampton? No. Hmm. 
Typical bank manager. Mm, hello? Temple? Yes? Uh, Forbes here. Oh, hello, Sir Graham. How did you know we were down here? Well, Charlie told me. What are you doing in Brighton, anyway? Oh, we thought we'd come down here for a breath of sea air. I see. I thought perhaps you might be looking for a girl named Fiona Scott. <laughs> how did you find out the name? Oh, what's more to the point, how did you find it? I had a talk to Tony Wyman. He apparently met her some little while ago. I see. Well, listen, Temple, we've got her phone number. Brighton 96210. Brighton 96210. Yes, but we haven't contacted her because we don't want to scare the girl. I thought you might phone her, unofficially, as it were, and get the lie of the land. Yes, all right, Sir Graham. Love to Steve. Thank you. Charlie told him we were down here. He's given me Fiona Scott's phone number. I'll bet Superintendent Rain found it. He'd make sure you weren't going to put one over on him. <laughs> Brighton 96210. Oh, uh, could I speak to Miss Fiona Scott, please? Who is it speaking? My name is Temple, Paul Temple. This, this is Fiona Scott speaking. Oh, good afternoon, Miss Scott. Look, I'm sorry to trouble you, but I understand from Mr. Kelburn that you were a friend of his daughter's. Yes. Yes, I was. Well, as you may know, I'm investigating Mr. the... Mr. Temple, please don't think me rude, but, but I don't want to have anything to do with this business. Julia's dead and I... Look, Miss Scott, I'm not trying to get you involved in this affair. Please don't think that. Well, what are you trying to do? Well, you knew Julia. You were a very close friend of hers. I think you were probably more fond of her than anyone else. Well? Well... You might be able to tell me little things about her that, well, that might be useful. Naturally, whatever you tell me, I should treat in the strictest confidence. I'm rather busy at the moment, and, I, and I'm going over to Seadale this afternoon. Well, wouldn't it be possible for me to meet you at Seadale? Well, I'm staying with friends. I could drive over tonight, or tomorrow morning, or any time you like. Well, let's say this evening, then. Splendid. Eight o'clock? Yes. I suppose that will be convenient. My friends live at Breakwater House. Breakwater House? Yes, it's about a mile outside the village, further along the coast. I see. Thank you very much, Miss Scott. I'll see you this evening, then. And, um, please don't mention this conversation to anyone. No, I won't. Goodbye, Mr. Temple. Goodbye. Well, I gather we are going out tonight. Yes. What did you sound like? Oh, quiet, well-spoken. She's visiting some friends at a place called Seadale. Seadale, mm. that's, uh, that's further along the coast. It's about uh, 15 miles from here. Yes. Come in. Hello, Mrs. Temple. Oh, hello, Charlie. Oh, I say, you haven't wasted much time. No, wonderful train service. Here's your case, Mrs. Temple. And here's yours, sir. Thank you, Charlie. Uh, what's the other case? Oh, well, I brought the tape recorder down, Mr. Temple. I thought I'd take the phone calls while you were away so that you could hear them for yourself. It's better than writing a message down. Much better, Charlie. Uh, plug it in over here. Right. Have there been many calls? Well, only two important ones. Sir Graham rang, but, well, he only wants to know where you were. The first call is from a woman. She wouldn't give a name or anything. Proper bag of mystery. Mm -hmm. What time was this? Well, it was about ooh, half past ten this morning. Here it is, Steve. Can I speak to Mr. Temple? Well, I'm afraid he's away at the moment. Who is that? You wouldn't know my name. Where is Mr. Temple? Well, he's gone down to Brighton for a few days with Mrs. Temple. Why has he gone to Brighton? Do you know? No, I'm sorry. I don't know. Is he going to Dreamland? <laughs> don't ask me. I shouldn't think so. Not Mr. Temple's cup of tea. Look, if you leave your name, I'll Where's get... Mr. Temple staying? I'm sorry. I don't know. Oh. All right. I'll ring you later. Stop the recorder, Charlie. 
Did you recognize the voice, Paul? Yes, it was Mrs. Fletcher. <laughs> Made me laugh when she mentioned Dreamland. Is that the fun fair? That's right, Mrs. Temple. Over on the other side of the pier. I can't imagine you, Mr. Temple, on the Dodgems. Can't you, Charlie? All right, let's hear the next one. Hello? Can I speak to Mr. Temple? Well, I'm afraid he's away at the moment. Oh. Oh, dear. Have you any idea when he'll be back? No, I'm afraid I haven't. Can I take a message? Will you be seeing Mr. Temple? Uh, yes, this afternoon. I'm going down to... Uh, to see him. Well, this is Mrs. Kelburn. I'd like you to deliver a message for me. Okay. Go ahead. Mr. Temple saw me in a sports car the other night. I'm very anxious that he shouldn't mention this fact to anyone, particularly my husband. Oh. Oh, I see. Well, I'll make sure he gets a message. Well, that ties up with what Mike Langdon said, doesn't it? You mean another man and the possibility of Kelburn getting a divorce? Yes. Yes. But I can hardly believe Linda Kelburn's fallen for someone like Larry Cross. Well, you never can tell. Women are peculiar creatures. Yeah, you can say that again. Oh, oh I beg your pardon, Mrs. <laughs> Temple. You'd better get back to town, Charlie. Yes. Yeah, take, take the recorder with you. Right, sir. Mm, are you all right for money? Yes, fine, thanks. Keep taping the phone calls. You know where we are if there's anything urgent. Rightio. Goodbye, Mrs. Temple. Don't eat too much rock. Goodbye, Charlie. <laughs> Paul, why do you think Mrs. Fletcher mentioned that fairground place in Dreamland? I don't know, but she obviously thought that was one of the reasons why we came here. But why on earth should you think that? We won't know until we go and see. Oh, I can't wait for that. <laughs> Come in. Oh, forgive my troubling you, Temple, but... Uh, can you spare me a minute? Yes, of course. Come in, Coburn. Uh, you know my wife? Yes, yes, I do. Good afternoon, Mrs. Temple. Good afternoon, Mr. Coburn. Sit down. Thank you. <laughs> I'd like to apologize for my rudeness the last time we met. I have rather an abrupt manner at times, and it occasionally, well, it gives the wrong impression. That's all right, Mr. Kelvin. You know, you were perfectly right, of course, Temple. No reason why you shouldn't continue your investigations if you feel like it. Quite understandable to want to keep on with a case once you've started it. Incidentally, is that why you're down here in Brighton? Uh, my wife had a rather unpleasant experience. We thought a change of air might do her good. Yes. Yeah, yes, yes, of course. Well, I'll tell you what I wanted to have a word with you about, Temple. It's, uh, it's rather a delicate matter. Yeah. You'll treat this in confidence, of course. Certainly. I'm afraid I'm having trouble with my wife. What kind of trouble? Mm, she stays out late. She doesn't tell me where she's been and, well, to be perfectly honest... I think she's having an affair with someone. Have you spoken to her about it, Mr. Galvin? Yes, but she refuses to admit it. But she is, I'm sure she is. Well, what do you want me to do about it? I'd like you to make some inquiries for me. Watch her if possible. Well, it's hard. Well, I know it isn't your usual line of country. <laughs> it certainly isn't. But is, if I employed one of the ordinary agencies, Linda would be onto it straight away. I'm sure she would. And you don't think she'd suspect me? No, I'm positive she wouldn't. She might even confide in you. No, I don't think... I'm convinced that you're the man for this assignment, Temple. Does Mike Langdon agree with you? Yes, he does. Well, I'll think about it. All right, but don't be too long about it, eh? <laughs> it's important. I won't mention a fee because the last time I mentioned... I'll let you have a decision this evening. You'll be in the hotel, I take it? Yes, I will. I'm dining here. All right. Uh, thank you, Temple. Mr. Kelvin, who do you think your wife is uh, friendly with? I don't know. Don't you suspect anyone? No. 
she's got a large circle of friends, but according to Langdon, she's been seeing rather a lot of uh, Tony Wyman just lately. But whether he's the man or not, I wouldn't know. Well, I uh, look forward to hearing from you, Temple. I'll see you tonight. Goodbye, Mrs. Temple. Goodbye. Paul, do you know what I think? No, what do you think? For some reason or other, Kelvin wants you to drop this case. And if you won't, then he'll try and divert your attention onto something else. Meaning his wife? Yes. Mm-hmm. Could be. Well, come on, Steve. Where are we going? Do you feel like a nice, smooth ride on a roller coaster? No, dear. I don't <laughs> feel like a nice, smooth ride on anything. <laughs> Just sending up an SOS. <laughs> you shan't be nothing, oh. Steve. But I don't want to leave here without exploring. By Timothy. Look at that sign. Where? On the tent near the shooting gallery. Madam Margot, mm. fortune teller. Oh, so that's what Mrs. Fletcher meant. Yes. She thought that you'd found out about Madam Margot, and that was the reason you'd come to Brighton. I think you're right, Steve. Now listen. I want you to go in and have your fortune told. But first, I'll tell you what I want you to do. Oh, <clears throat> oh, I'm so sorry, madam. Do come in. I was just having a cup of tea. I can wait. No, no. Please sit down, madam. Right. Um, you are Madam Margot. That's right, dear. They all know me in Brighton. Been here for years. Now, what sort of a reading did you want? Well, I don't know. Which would you recommend? Well, looking at you, I'd say the palm, madam. Of course, it's a bit more expensive, but it goes deeper. Much deeper, if you know what I mean. Yes, you read the palm of a friend of mine, and, and you told her the most amazing story. It mm. all came true. That's what made me so curious. Did I? I wonder if I remember her. Well, I'm sure you would. You foretold a great tragedy in her life, and it happened, just as you said. Really? Oh, well, of course, there's no getting away from the palm. It's all there. <laughs> what happened to your friend? She was murdered. Murdered? Yes. Her name was Julia Kelburn. Oh, yes, I think I read about the murder. But you don't remember, Julia? No, I'm afraid not. But, of course, I see so many people, you know, especially in the height of the season. Yes, I suppose you do. No, dear, if you'll just sit facing me. Like this? Yes, that's right. Oh, both. Which hand do you want? Oh, both, dear. Under the light, if you don't mind. That's it. Ah, oh, that's very interesting. Were you ever on the stage? No, I wasn't. You're married, and your husband's well-known. Famous, in fact. Got something to do with books and writing. Is that right, dear? Yes. Hmm, it's an interesting end. You travel a lot, don't you, uh, Mrs...? Yes, we travel quite a lot. I can see a journey now, towards the end of the year. A sea voyage. <laughs> oh, and there's danger, too, dear. You've got to be very careful. Both you and your husband. Why? Because I can see an accident. A car accident. When is this accident likely to happen? It may be soon. Very soon. Where is it going to happen? I don't know, but... Go on. Well, it seems to me your husband's driving. There's something here in your palm. I can't quite tell what it is. It looks like a dolphin. A dolphin? 
You mean a real dolphin? I can't tell. But watch out for it. When you see the dolphin, be on your guard, dear. That's when the accident might happen. It's only when I mentioned Julia Kelvin, she seemed to be on her guard. I think she had a good idea then who I was. Mm, it sounds like it. The whole setup was terribly phony. Normally, I wouldn't believe a word she said, but that was a warning call about the car accident. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Do you think she was expecting you? Well, it's difficult to say. But the thing that puzzled me is, what did you mean, watch out for the dolphin? I don't know. It could be a public house, I suppose, at a dangerous corner or crossroads. Oh, yes, I, I never thought of that. Well, let's get back to the hotel. I don't want to be late getting over to see there. No. Tired? Yes, I am. Well, there's no need for you to come to see there. I can see Fiona's Cup by myself. Yes, of course you can. But you're not going to. <laughs> Room 528, please. Uh, there you are, Mr. Temple. Thank you. Oh, and Mr. Temple, Mr. Kelburn left a message. He said, when you came in, would you care to join him in the American bar? Oh, thank you, Steve. Here's the keys. I'll be up in a few minutes. All right, dear. Over here, Temple. Oh, hello, Kelvin. I got your message. Uh, sit down. What are you drinking? Uh, I don't think I'll have anything at the moment, thank you. Well, have you reached a decision about that problem, Temple? Yes, I have. I will help you, Calvin. Good. And I'll tell you why I'll help you. If your wife is friendly with someone, I think there's a chance that that person may be able to help me. Help you? With what? With my investigations. You see, I still intend to find out who murdered your daughter. All right, go ahead. But just at the moment, it's my wife I'm interested in. No one likes to be made a fool of, Temple. The moment you find out who Linda's playing around with... I'll let you know, Gilbert. By Timothy, this is a lonely part of the country. We haven't passed a car for ages. I hope we're on the right road. I expect we'll see a signpost soon. By then it'll be too dark to read it. <laughs> Cheer up, Steve. <laughs> oh, look, there's a cyclist. Where? Oh, yes, yes, I see it. I think it's a parson. Oh, good evening. Good evening. We're looking for a place called Breakwater House. Ah, yes, yes, Breakwater House. Now, let me see. It's a little off the beaten track. Oh? You must keep a careful lookout for turning on the left, rather a narrow lane. I should say very nearly a mile. It's just past a large, old-fashioned barn. You can't miss it. And Breakwater House is actually down the lane? Yes, about a quarter of a mile down the lane. There's rather a delightful arch at the entrance to the drive with a stone dolphin at the top. A dolphin? Yes. Do look out for it. A beautiful piece of work. Uh, when you reach the drive, go carefully. It's rather twisty and the surface is very uneven. I'm much obliged. Oh, not at all. Not at all. I'm sure you won't have any trouble finding it. Good night. Good, Good night. night and thank you. Said yes, about... I heard. Don't worry, I'll take care. We must be coming to the end of the lane. Yes, there's the gateway. Well, Timothy, it's a pretty formidable gate. 
It's wrought iron. Oh, looks new to me. It's just as well it's open. We'd have had a job to open it ourselves. Yes. There's the arch the vicar mentioned. Yes, and there's the dolphin. Yes. Take it easy up the drive. A sharp bend, Paul. Why have you stopped? Look, there's a rope, oh. a steel rope, right across the drive. Why are those bricks hanging from it? They'd have smashed the windscreen to bits if we'd run into them at a good speed. Fortunately, I was crawling. The rope's fastened to a tree over there. And to the top of a fence on this side. Hold on. What are you doing? I'm, I'm trying to unfasten it. No, it, it's no use. Somebody's made quite a job of this. What are we going to do? Well, we can't take the car further down the drive because of the rope. I suppose we'd better go back to the hotel. Unless we walk up to the house. That's what you'd like to do, isn't it? Yes. But if you're worried, Steve... No, no, I'm all right. Let's take a look at the house. Are you sure? Yes, I'm sure. But give me your arm. You know, that fortune teller must have known that we were coming here. Mm, what's more important, she knew there'd be an attempt to stop us. You mean she knew about the rope? I don't know, but she certainly knew something was going to happen. Ah, there's the house. Yes. Mm, but it's so dark, Paul. No lights anywhere. Mm, perhaps there are some at the back of the house. Come on, let's take a look. The place seems derelict. Yes. There's certainly no one living here. Oh, this French window's open. Ah, then let's go inside. Give me your hand. Well, the house seems to be empty. There's no furniture at all. No, not even a carpet. Oh, just look at the wallpaper. Huh. This isn't any better either. Oh, Timothy, just look at the place. Oh, oh. Listen. Came from upstairs. Sounds like Tony Wyman. Yes, it does. It is Tony Wyman. Let's go. Keep hold of my arm. Where do you think the voice was coming from? I don't know. Wyman! Tony, where are you? Oh, there are so many rooms up here. There must be a dozen or more. Yes. Let's have a look in here. Oh, well. He's obviously not here. No. Is that a dressing room over there, Steve, or... Paul! Somebody's closing the door! Blast! They've locked it. What a stupid fool. I ought to realise that somebody was watching us. Here! Here, open this door! Do you think it was Tony Wyman we heard, and he deliberately got us upstairs? Wait a minute, wait a minute. What is it? Do you smell petrol? Yes. Well, you're right... There's something burning. Someone started a fire, Steve. Oh, Paul! We have to get this door open. Paul, you were right. There is something burning. Someone started a fire, Steve. Oh, Paul! We've got to get this door open. It's no use, I'm afraid. 
Could we get out of this window? Well, it's a good height from the ground. Is there anything underneath? No. Then we can't get out that way. Uh, there only is some way of forcing the lock. But Paul, there's a set of fire irons over here. Could you use the poker to force the door? Well, it's certainly worth trying. Hold the torch, Steve. Right. Now, if I can get the end wedged into the mortise, keep the torch steady, Steve. Sorry. Uh, ah, that's it. Uh, let's hope the poker doesn't bend. Uh, 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 ah, got it. Oh, good. Come on. Wait, Steve. Get behind the door. There may be somebody outside. <coughs> oh, the smoke. It's all right. There's no one there. Wait a second to get our bearing. The staircase is on fire. <coughs> we'll, we'll never get out that way. I'm in one of the rooms on this landing. I think he's in that room on the left. Keep behind me, Steve. All right. Anyone in here? Temple. Please come and help me. Wyman, what on earth are you doing here? Oh, he's died to the chair. <coughs> Timothy's had the same treatment as Ted Angus. Oh. Quickly, Steve, help me with these ropes. Yeah. No, you hold the torch. I'll do it. Uh, Tony, try and lift your right arm so we can... He's passed out. <coughs> I've tried to gag him, but he's loosened it. As soon as I've untied this rope, we'll try to get him downstairs. But we'll, we'll never get him down the main staircase. <coughs> Someone was like... Oh. <coughs> Temple, don't let him... Where we are helping you, Tony. We're doing the best we can, but I... I can't get this confounded rope undone. Wait a minute. Anyway, that's done it. That's cleared the rope. Temple, there's a stone staircase at the back of the house. I think that's the best yeah, way. Yeah, all right, Tony. Show us where it is. Help me to lift him across my shoulders, Steve. Right, now. That's it. Have you got the torch? Yes. Are, are you sure you can manage Yes. Don't worry about me. Easy now. Hold on, Tony. for some fresh air. Can you put him down on that garden seat? Uh, yes. Yes, that'll do. Mm -hmm. uh, gen gently now, gently. Easy. That's it. They double-crossed me. They said they were going to... It looks as if he's had a pretty nasty bang on the head. Yes. Can't we get into the car? No, I don't think so. It's the best part of half a mile down the drive. Temple. Yes, Tony, what is it? You... You, Temple. Yes. I've got to tell you. Something... Yes, go on, Tony. It's about... about... Kelvin. Julia Kelvin? No, no. Kelvin, you know. George Kelvin. Yes, I know George Kelvin. What Kel about him? Kelvin. The fence. Don't let him get near. Don't let him touch... the fence. Oh, he's passed out again. Steve, I think you'd better come with me. We obviously can't do anything for him until we get a doctor. Oh, yes. Yes, all right. Better lift his feet. Yes. I wish we got something to put under his head. Well, take my raincoat. I don't need it. Good. There. 
Oh, I, th I think it'll be a little more comfortable anyway. Mm. I think you'll be all right for the time being. Have you got the torch? Yes, I've got it. Come on, then. This way. The fire seemed to start so quickly. It was the petrol. What was Tony Wyman doing there? I don't know, but somebody obviously resented his being there and beat him up. I didn't like the look of him, Steve. I hope we can get a doctor quickly. We still haven't seen Fiona Scott. I'm beginning to wonder if there's any such person. Mm, she's probably acting on instructions. Shine the torch, Steve. Ah, here's the rope and the car. At last. Well, we shouldn't be long now. Come on, in you get. You'll have to be careful backing the car down to the gate. No, I think I can manage. Well, look, shall I get out and guide you? No, no, stay where you are for the present, Steve. That's funny. It should start on a warm night like this. never had this trouble before. What are you going to do? Take a look under the bonnet. Pass me the torch, Steve. Here you are. Thanks. Blast! What is it? Someone's taken the rotor arm. The car's useless. But what are we going to do? There's only one thing we can do. We'll have to walk to the road in the hope of finding somebody. How much longer? Well, we'll soon be at the end of the drive. Oh, what's that place over there? Hmm? On your left, amongst the trees. Looks like a hut or something. Hmm. Let's take a look at it. What is this place? Do you hear that noise? Yes, it's a motor of some kind. It's a dynamo. This is a small powerhouse. It must supply the current for the main building. You mean Breakwater House? Yes. There's a crack in the door. Let's see if we can see anything. Give me the torch, please. Well? There are a lot of switches and things. Yes, that's what it is, a powerhouse. Come on, Steve. Let's get back to the drive. Look! The gates are closed. The wrought iron gates. Timothy, so they are. That's very odd. A hefty padlock and chain. Now what do we do? Well, I suppose I could try to climb over oh, and... Oh, no, you couldn't possibly. It's much too high. I must say, I can't see the point of this unless it's just a delaying action. Well, there, there must be some way out. What's on your side of the gate? A mesh wire fence. What about yours? Same. It looks fairly new. Quite strong. Well, there must be a gap somewhere. Let's walk around and see if we can There's find... There's a car coming. I saw the headlights catch the top of the trees. Oh, yes. It seems to be coming up to the gates. Wonder who it can be. I expected someone who saw the fire. Hello there. Hi there, Temple. Sorry we're late. Why, hello, Langdon. Kelvin's there, too. Good evening, Temple. I'm sorry we're late, but we had the deuce of a job finding this place. Why on earth did you ask us to meet you here? I asked you to meet me here? Yes. When? What do you mean, when? You sent a note just now that I was finishing dinner. And the note said... The note asked me to meet you here tonight. It said you had some information about my wife. Although why in heaven's name you should ask me to meet you in a godforsaken place like this, I can't imagine. Kelvin, I didn't send that note. You didn't? No. Then who on earth did? Say, wait a minute. What's going on up the hill there? Is that a fire temple? Yes, and Tony Wyman's very badly hurt and he needs a doctor. It's urgent. Tony Wyman? Is he here? 
Is that what you were going to tell me, Temple? That you discovered that young Tony Wyman and my wife... I wasn't going to tell you anything. I've told you I didn't send that note. Well, somebody did. Look, Mr. Calvin Wyman is very seriously ill. He needs a doctor. Where is he, Mrs. Temple? He's up near the house. We had to leave him there. I drive back to the village. You stay here, George. Yes, all right, but don't be long, Langdon. And phone the fire brigade. Yeah, well. Can I join you, Temple, or is this gate locked? No, it's locked. There must be some way through. Let's take a look at this fence. Well, we've already looked at the fence. Temple? Come over here. It seems to sag just along there. Maybe if he lifted the wire, I could crawl through. Yes, all right. Paul, wait! What is it, Steve? Look! Look here, hmm? where I'm shining the torch. A dead squirrel. It's been caught on the wire. Yes, but that wouldn't have killed it. Look at its coat. It's all scorched. Good Lord, of course it's been electrocuted. That means that the fence must... Don't touch that fence, Kelvin. Don't touch it, Mr. Kelvin! Phew. That was a near thing. Paul, that is what Wyman meant. He must have known that Mr. Kelvin was coming here and he told us to warn him. What do you mean, Mrs. Temple? Tony Wyman told us to warn you about the fence. He said, don't let Kelvin touch it. Wyman said that? Yes. But how did Wyman know I was coming here? I wonder if he sent that note. But if he sent the note, then obviously it was a trap to get you here. That's what I mean. Then why did he warn you about the fence? Well, you had quite a night, Temple. <laughs> we certainly had, Sir Graham. Finally, we went back to the powerhouse and switched off the current. Unfortunately, I still haven't been able to contact Miss Scott. Well, that doesn't surprise me after what happened. Which reminds me, how did you find her phone number? Well, the Brighton police found it for us. Incidentally, Mr. Temple, the house is owned by some people called Delaware who've been living in California for the past two years. They couldn't get the price they wanted for it, so it's been lying empty. I see. The thing that puzzles me, Temple, is why Tony Wyman went to the house. It's obvious he went there to meet someone, but who was it? I don't know, Sir Graham. Could it have been you, Mr. Temple? Well, what do you mean, Superintendent? Well, from what you've told us, he obviously expected you. He called out to you by name. Yes, he expected me, all right. But that doesn't necessarily mean that's why he went to the house in the first place. Oh, I don't know. Perhaps Kelburn wasn't the only person who received a note with your name on it. Yes, yes, that's certainly a point, Rain. Incidentally, did you see the note, Temple? Yes, it was certainly signed with my name, but of course it wasn't my signature. I suppose you couldn't blame Kelburn for thinking it was. He wouldn't know your writing. No, neither do I know his, or Langdon's. That note could have been written by either of them just to explain away their presence at the house. Yes, that's true. What was the latest report on Wyman? Uh, not very healthy, I'm afraid. Mm. May I come in, Sir Graham? Ah, yes, come along in, Burton. Uh, Temple, this is Detective Inspector Burton, Brighton CID. Oh, good morning, Inspector. Oh, good morning, Mr. Temple. I'm very pleased to meet you, sir. Any news of Fiona Scott? No trace of her, Superintendent. She left her digs after getting Mr. Temple's phone call, and she simply vanished. We're still making inquiries. Um, however, I uh, thought this might interest you, sir. Hmm? What is it? It's a report on some of the fingerprints we found at Breakwater House, sir. One set quite obviously belongs to Midge Harris. Midge Harris? Surely he's in Brixton at the moment. That's right, sir. He's awaiting trial. We pulled him in about three weeks ago. He was mixed up in the Regent Street smash and grab. That's the one where the loot's still missing. That's right, Inspector. About £250,000 worth of silver plate and jewellery. I remember Midge Harris. Short, red-haired little chap. He was one of the small fry in that safe deposit affair. I put in a word for him. Yes, that's the chap. You say you picked him up about three weeks ago. Yes, that's right. You were in America, Temple. There was a smash and grab in Regent Street. We picked up Harris, and four witnesses, including the jeweller, identified him. I see. Then obviously he must have been in Breakwater House some time ago. Well, certainly before he was picked up, yes. Hmm. 
Sir Graham, do you think I could have a word with Midge Harris? Well, I don't see why not, if you think it'll serve any useful purpose. Ah, you're wasting your time, Mr. Temple. Oh, why do you say that? Midge won't talk, even if he knows anything. I had six hours with him the day he was arrested. He wouldn't tell me who his confederates were, where the stuff was hidden, or anything. He just wouldn't talk. I'd still like to see him, Superintendent. Hello? Yes, speaking. Um, just a moment, please. It's for you, Inspector. Oh, thank you, sir. Hello? Yeah? Oh, hello, Sergeant. Hmm. When did it happen? I see. Well, you know what to do. The usual drill. Uh, thank you for ringing. What is it, Burton? Bad news, I'm afraid, sir. Tony Wyman's dead. He died this morning without regaining consciousness. Is that you, Paul? Where are you, Steve? In the drawing room. Oh, pour me out a glass of sherry, will you? I've had a rather hectic morning. Yes, dear. Is there any news of Tony Wyman? Yes, I'm afraid there is, Steve. He's dead? You don't sound very surprised. Well, I could see he was in a pretty bad way when they put him in the ambulance. Yes, it's a pity. Apart from anything else, there were so many things he could have told us. Yes. What does Sir Graham think? He's just as puzzled as we are. Paul, do you think Fiona Scott arranged to see Tony at Breakwater House? I don't know. It's possible, I suppose. I certainly think he had an appointment with someone. It could have been Kelburn. Yes. Oh, his wife called round here this morning. Linda? When was this? Just after you left. Go on, Steve, what happened? Well, it was about a quarter to eleven. Charlie had gone out to do some shopping. I was in your dressing room and the bell rang, and it was, well, two or three minutes before I answered it. Hello, Steve. May I come in? Why, Linda, yes, of course. In here. I happened to be passing, and I thought perhaps I... Well, won't you sit down? Steve... I want a word with your husband. I realise he probably hates being interrupted. I'm sorry, work. but he's out, Linda. He's at Scotland Yard. Oh. I gather there's some trouble between you and your husband. It's putting it mildly. Things have been impossible just lately, quite impossible. He's, he's so jealous, it just isn't true. Oh, darling, may I have a cigarette? Yes, of course. There's some in that box beside you. Help yourself. He's always imagining I'm having an affair with someone, with younger men. Do you have affairs with younger men, Linda? Oh, don't be idiotic. What do you take me for? George gives me everything I want. Why should I stick my neck out like that? Well, we did see you in a sports car with Larry Cross one evening. Larry Cross? Dr. Ben Carr's secretary. Paul and I saw you a couple of nights ago. You were in a cream sports car. A cream sport? Oh, yes, of course. I remember now. Oh, so his name's Cross, is it? I knew he was the doctor's secretary, of course, otherwise I wouldn't have accepted a lift from him. Oh, he was just giving you a lift? Mm, that's right. I'd been to the cinema in Curzon Street and couldn't get a taxi. Suddenly he drew up and offered me a lift. But you didn't know who he was? I didn't know his name. Well, how did you know he was Dr. Ben Carter's secretary, then? Because I'd been to see the doctor myself. This man, Larry Cross, did you say his name was, makes the appointments. Why did you go and see Dr. Ben Carter, Linda? My dear Steve, what is this, an inquisition? Oh, I'm sorry, madam. <laughs> But if you must know, I, I was nervy, on edge, couldn't sleep. It's really not surprising after all I've been through just lately. Did you know that Julia consulted Dr. Bencari? 
Yes, and that's how I came to go there myself. Julia raved about her. What was she treating Julia for? Do you know? She was taking drugs. Dr. Benkari was trying to cure her of the habit. I see. Linda, tell me, is it just since Julia died that things have become difficult between you and your husband? They've come to the surface more, if that's what you mean. Things have been particularly difficult since Mike Langdon arrived. I sometimes wonder if he puts ideas into George's head. Oh, why should he do that? Well, he's seen me at the hide-and-seek once or twice talking to Tony Wyman. By the way, I read about Tony this morning. Is he badly hurt? Yes, I'm afraid he is. Was he conscious when you found him? Well, it was hopeless to try and question him, if that's what you mean. I didn't mean anything in particular. I just wondered how he was. Is that what you wanted to see Paul about? Tony Wyman? No, no, it was something quite different. I've already told you most of it. Well, then, why not tell me the rest, Linda? It's just this, Steve. I happened to overhear a conversation between my husband and Mike Langdon. Mike was telling George that your husband was the best man to get the evidence for him. What evidence? Against me, for the divorce. <laughs> Paul doesn't go in for that sort of thing. You must know that. George has a way of persuading people. You mean money? Yes. Well, don't worry, Linda. It would take more than money to persuade my husband to do something he doesn't want to do. <laughs> Look, would you like a cup of coffee? Yes. I'd love one, Steve. And what time did she leave? About 12. I think she wanted to know if Tony Wyman had told us anything. Yes. What time were we having lunch? Just after one. Why, have you an appointment? Yes, I'm seeing Ken Sinclair at three o'clock. Ken Sinclair? Oh, that's the, uh, the crime reporter on the evening word. Mm, that's right. What are you seeing him about? Well, I'm interviewing a man called Midge Harris tomorrow afternoon, and I think Ken may know something about him. Hello, Paul. Hello, Ken. Ah, it's good to see you. It's nice of you to spare me half an hour. Can I get you a drink, sir? Um, please, I'd like a whiskey and soda. Ken, what are you drinking? No, 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 I'm fine, thanks. Well, what's it all about? What can I do for you? Ken, while I was in America, there was a smash and grab in Regent Street. The police arrested a man called Mitch Harris. That's right. Give me the lowdown. What exactly happened? Well, whoever did the job got away with jewellery to the value of about a quarter of a million. Mm-hmm. Midge was in on it. There's no doubt about that. He was identified. But he was just one of the boys. He certainly wasn't the brains behind the setup. Who do you think was behind it? Why, this character they call the fence. I don't think there's any doubt he's behind the operation. Let's face it, he's behind most of the robberies these days. Yes. You see, the whole point is, the boys know that the moment they've pulled a job, the stuff will be taken off their hands and they'll be paid good money for it. This chap's really got things organised. He operates on an international scale, handle anything. But why are you interested in Mitch Harris and the fence? I, I thought you were investigating the Kelburn murder. I am. Oh, you think there's a connection? Well, it could be. Ken, tell me about Midge Harris. What's he been doing during the past two or three years? Well, he had a job with a transport firm for a time. It was only a cover for his more nefarious activities, I'm sure of that. He's been living with a girl called Sally Jackson. Strange girl. She used to be an art student when she started the ladies' hairdressers in Camden Town. Sally Jackson? Yeah. Uh, how long have they been together? Oh, about three or four years. Don't quite know what she saw in Midge. She was a very much better class person than he was. What is it? I'm looking for Miss Sally Jackson. Then you'll have to look a long way. She ain't here. Oh, 
Have you any idea where I can find her? No, she's gone abroad, she has. You could try Paris or the Riviera. She hasn't left a forwarding address? No. All I know is she asked me to stop here and keep an eye on the place. Mom! The kettle's boiling! I'm coming! Oh, I wish somebody would take me to the Riviera, away from these blasted kids. Do you know when Miss Jackson's coming back? Not yet, I hope, because I've got nowhere fixed. Here. Who are you asking all these questions? You're not the police. No, as a matter of fact, I'm a friend of Midge Harris's. Oh, him. <laughs> Ain't got no more sense than what he was born with. Proper nitty was getting nabbed like that. Don't deserve a nice girl like Sal. No, the kettle's on fire! All right, Sydney. I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm sorry I'm late, Superintendent, but I've had rather a busy day. Oh, that's all right. I've spoken to the Governor. They're fetching Harris now. Ah, good. Oh, by the by, I went to see a girl named Sally Jackson this morning. <laughs> Midge's girlfriend. Oh, so you know. Yeah. She wasn't at home, of course. No, she was in the south of France, from what I could gather. Well, that's near enough. Soon after we picked up Midge, Sally suddenly came into money and decided to travel. Where did you get the money from, do you know? Well, our bet is someone took care of her in order to stop Midge talking. Oh. Good afternoon, Superintendent. Ah, good afternoon, Governor. Uh, may I introduce Mr. Temple? How do you do, sir? How do you do, Mr. Temple? Delighted to meet you. Thank you. Well, everything's ready, Superintendent. He's in the chaplain's room. How does he seem? Oh, surly. I doubt whether he'll be very cooperative. No. Well, he's all yours, Mr. Temple. I wish you luck. In this way, Mr. Temple. What's the big idea, Mr. Temple? Why have you come to see me? Sit down, Midge. Make yourself comfortable. There ain't no comfort in this place. Oh, well, have a cigarette. What you after, Mr. Temple? What's the game? No, no game at all. I played straight enough with you last time, didn't I? Whoa. Come on, light your cigarette and relax. Here. Thanks. First smoke I've had since they shoved me in this stinky hole. Yes, it was bad luck being picked up like that. I suppose you did do the job. Is that what you've come to find out? No, it's nothing to do with that, Midge. I want your help over something else. What? Someone tried to murder me the other night. Murder you? Mm-hmm. Go on, you're kidding. No, I'm not kidding. It happened near Brighton at a place called Breakwater House. You ever been to Breakwater House, Midge? No, I ain't. Do you know, that surprises me, because they found your fingerprints there in one of the rooms. I've been stuck in this flipping place for three weeks. Well, I'm suggesting that you went to Breakwater House some little time ago... And that the person who invited you there was the person who tried to murder me. I don't know who you're talking about. I'm talking about Margot, alias The Fence. I never heard of anyone called Margot, and I ain't been a brun for years. Look, Midge, I don't want to scare you, but you're mixed up with a pretty slick bunch. Now, if I were you... Well, you're not me, Mr. Temple, so keep your flippin' advice to yourself. All right, Midge. If you won't talk, I'll have to have another word with that girlfriend of yours, that's all. My girlfriend? Yes. Sally Jackson. What do you mean, another word? I saw her yesterday afternoon, but she was so busy that she could hardly spare time to talk to me. You, you saw her yesterday afternoon? Yes. Where did you see her? What was she doing? I told you, she was in the hairdressing salon of hers, working like a slave. You made a mistake. That wasn't so. What, she, she's loaded with dough now. She, she, she's gone abroad somewhere. Mm, that's what you think. What do you mean? When she discovered I was a friend of yours, she tried to borrow a fiver off me. That doesn't sound as if she was loaded with dough, does it? Uh, I don't believe you. All right. Fair enough. You don't have to believe me, Midge. That's all very well, 
Governor, but looking at it from our point of view, the attitude of the average criminal isn't quite... Ah, there we are, Temple. Any luck? No, not much, I'm afraid. He is a surly little devil, isn't he? Yes, and I wouldn't trust him as far as I could throw the little... You wouldn't trust him. <laughs> <laughs> well, is there anything else we can do for you, Superintendent? No, thank you, sir. You've been extremely helpful. Oh, there very is grateful. one small thing, Governor, if you'd be kind enough. Well, anything to help, Mr. Temple? During the next 24 hours, a postcard will arrive for Harris. It'll have a little drawing in the right-hand corner. I want you to make sure he gets it the moment it arrives. Yes, of course. But may I ask, how did you find out about this postcard? Yes. How did you find out, Mr. Temple? And who's going to send it? I am, Superintendent. Oh, it's you, Mr. Temple. Oh, sorry, Charlie. I left my key in the study. Well, that's all right, sir. Is Mrs. Temple in the drawing room? Well, no, sir. She went out about half an hour ago. Oh? Where's she gone, do you know? No, she didn't say. She seemed in quite a flap. What do you mean, quite a flap? Well, it was just after she made the phone call. She came into the what kitchen. What phone call? Who did Mrs. Temple ring up? I don't know, sir. About two minutes later, Mrs. Temple popped into the kitchen and said she was going out. But didn't she say anything else? Oh, yes, sir. She said, I'm going out, Charlie, but if Mr. Temple gets home before I get back, just say... Well, just say what? Edgar Northampton. What phone call? Who did Mrs. Temple ring up? I don't know, sir. But about two minutes later, Mrs. Temple popped into the kitchen and said she was going out. But didn't she say anything else? Oh, yes, sir. She said, I'm going out, Charlie. But if Mr. Temple gets home before I get back, just say... Just say what? Edgar Northampton. Edgar Northampton? Yes. I don't know what she meant, Mr. Temple. I never heard of anyone called Northampton. He's a bank manager. I've been rather puzzled as to how he fitted into the picture. Uh, what picture, Mr. Temple? Hmm? I'm sorry, Charlie. I was talking to myself. Now, look, I tell you what I want you to do. I want you to go down to... Here's Mr. Temple now, sir. Steve! Hello, Pa. What's all this about? Where have you been? Well, you remember what Mrs. Fletcher said to Mike Langdon? If Dr. Benkari gets difficult, just say two words to her. Edgar Northampton. Yes. Well, I've discovered what she meant. What did she mean? Shall I start at the beginning? I don't care where you start, providing you tell me what all this is about. <laughs> well... Just over an hour ago, I was in the study when the front doorbell rang. Mm -hmm. I don't think Charlie could have heard it because the bell continued to ring for some considerable time. Oh, Mrs. Temple. Yes? Um, I'd like a word with your husband, Mrs. Temple. Do you think I could possibly... Oh... I beg your pardon, I don't think we've met. No, I don't think we have. My name's Fletcher. I, I, I met your husband down at Westerton. Oh, of course. Come in, Mrs. Fletcher. Thank you. This way. I'm very sorry, but my husband isn't in just at the moment. Oh, dear, I thought this might happen. Well, I'm expecting him back if you'd care to wait. Oh, I should have phoned, of course, and made an appointment. Well, you can leave a message, Mrs. Fletcher. Well, I... I wanted to see your husband personally, you see. Couldn't you tell me? Um, well, Mrs. Temple, your husband called at the garage. He questioned my son, Bill. Yes, I know. Well, Bill's a good boy. He's nothing to do with this business, nothing at all. Which business are you referring to? I'm talking about the murder, about Julia Kelburn. Bill doesn't know anything about it, nothing at all. Do you know anything about it? That's not the point. It's my boy I'm concerned with. He's the one I'm worried about. Now, you tell Mr. Temple to leave him alone. There's no reason for him to question Bill. 
Well, my husband has to question a lot of people who are not directly involved. He only wanted to know what Bill knew about Dr. Benkari and uh, your relationship with the doctor. But that's no concern of your husband's. Look, Mrs. Fletcher, I don't know why you should feel particularly unfriendly towards my husband. He would like to help you. Oh. Well, why should he want to help me? Well, wasn't it you who warned us about the parcel from the dress shop? Oh, yes, it was. But... <sighs> Well, look, Mrs. Temple, I'd better go now. I'm sorry if I've been rude. That's all right. I'm flying to Australia in two or three days' time, so I don't expect I shall see you again. Is your son going with you? No. I'm leaving him behind. I think he'll stand a better chance on his own. I see. But in case Dr. Benkari and her crowd ever try to drag my son into anything, I want Mr. Temple to know that Bill isn't that sort. What exactly are you suggesting that they might drag him into, Mrs. Fletcher? It would be as well for my husband to know if you want him to keep a friendly eye on your son. Well, they're mixed up in all sorts of things, Mrs. Temple. What kind of things? Stolen property and drugs. I see. Well, all I ever did was to pass on messages or deliver packages that looked innocent enough. I was a fool. I ought to have realised they couldn't have paid that sort of money simply for running errands. I should have packed it in months ago. Have you ever met the person behind all this? The person they called Margot. The person who controls the outfit is the fence. The name Margot is just for identification purposes. What do you mean? Well, I'm sorry, I can't give you any more information. Look, tell me one thing. Do these people, the people you've been working for, do they know that you're going away? No, I don't think so. Well, supposing they find out and bring pressure to bear on your son? They won't do that. If they try to get Bill involved, I should go straight to the police. I've told them that. Yes, but they could get rid of you. I've taken every precaution, don't you worry. What do you mean by every precaution? Well, I've got certain documents and tape recordings in a very safe place. If anything should happen to me, they'll pass into the right hands. Well, if anyone should ever contact Bill after you've gone, I hope you'll tell him to get in touch with my husband right away. Bill knows just what to do. Yes, well, I'm sorry, but I think you're making a mistake by running away, Mrs. Fletcher. Then she went without saying anything else? Yes, but after she left, I remembered what you told me about Edgar Northampton, and it suddenly dawned on me that the documents she referred to were probably in a deep box at his bank. So I telephoned Reggie Whiteside. Our bank manager? Yes. I asked if he could see me, and he said he could, so I went round... And I asked him if he could find out whether a Mrs. Fletcher had deposited a deed box at their branch in Tenterhurst. Go on. Well, he telephoned Mr. Northampton and said an inquiry had come through about the garage in Westerton and he wondered if the bank held the deeds. Northampton said that Mrs. Fletcher had certainly left a deed box with them some little time ago. I see. And you think that the deed box contains a great deal more than just the deeds of the garage? Well, don't you agree? Yes, I do. But in future, young woman, please let me do the investigating round here. <laughs> well, thank you for young, anyway. <laughs> How did you get on? Did you see Mitch Harris? Yes, I did, and I want you to do something for me. Mm -hmm. Um, where are the postcards? On the left of the writing paper. Hmm? Oh, yes. Steve, you were always pretty good at drawing. I want you to sketch a girl's head on the back of this postcard. Mm -hmm. Here, I'll use my pen. A girl's mm. head? Just a rough drawing showing a girl's head under a dryer at the hairdressers. <laughs> you don't want much. Well, it doesn't matter how rough it is. Oh, well. Head's under... Hmm. Well, eyes, nose, mouth. That's easy. Uh, how do you do a dryer? Charlie, just a moment. 
Well, how's it going? It's almost finished. There. Yeah. Will that do? Oh, yes, that's very good, Steve. Yes, isn't it? <laughs> now, right underneath, so much for your friends. Mm. Still mm -hmm. sweating my guts out. Oh. And sign it Sal. That's a bit crude, isn't it? Well, Midge isn't exactly a sophisticated type. Calter? Yes, wait a minute, Charlie. I want you to post something for me. I'll take it, Paul. Oh. Hello? Mrs. Temple? Speaking. Oh, this is George Coleman speaking, Mrs. Temple. I wonder, could I possibly have a word with your husband? Yes, just hold on a minute, will you? Thanks. It's Kelvin, Paul. Right. Charlie, go down to Camden Town. Camden Town? Yes, Camden Town, and post this in the first letterbox you see. Okay, Mr. Temple. Kelvin? Yes, and he sounds particularly cheerful. Oh. Uh, hello, Temple speaking. Oh, Temple, I'm sorry to disturb you, but I wondered if you and Mrs. Temple would care to drop in for a drink this evening. Well, I... It's very short notice, I know, but I'd particularly like to have a chat with you. Well, yes, that'd be very nice, Kelvin. Uh, about what time? Seven o'clock. Splendid. I look forward to seeing you both, then. Goodbye. Goodbye. Well. What is it, Paul? Kelpin's asked us round for a drink this evening. He sounded different, didn't he? Much more affable. Yes, why? Why, I wonder? Temple? Yes. Please come in. Thank you. Mr. and Mrs. Kelburn are expecting you. May I take your coat, madam? Thank you. Oh, that's all right, Mary. I look after Mr. and Mrs. Temple. Oh, thank you, sir. Hi there. Hello. Glad you could both make it. I thought you'd be on your way back to New York by now. No, no, not yet, but I'm keeping my fingers crossed. Any moment now with a bit of luck. Oh, there's been a change in the situation. Yeah, there certainly has. What's happened exactly? Well, Kelburn's had a change of heart. He's decided he's still very much in love with his wife, and he's made it up with her. Oh, when did this happen? Within the last 24 hours. Really? Yeah, right now. You wouldn't think they'd ever seriously considered parting for a weekend, let alone for good. Hello, Steve. Hello, Linda. Lovely to see you, my dear. Hello, Mr. Temple. Hello. Sweet of you to come. Uh, is George in the drawing room, Mike? Yeah, I think so, uh, Linda. Come along, then. Let's go in. George, our guests have arrived. Ah, uh, good evening, Mrs. Temple. How oh, very nice to see you. Good Temple, evening. my dear fellow, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. I'm so glad you could make it at such short notice. Mike, will you see to the drinks? All righty. What can I get you, Mrs. Temple? May I have a dry martini, please? Sure thing. Linda? Mm, gin and tonic, please. And Temple, what would you like? Uh, whiskey and soda? Of course. Scotch and soda, Mike, and I'll have the same. Okay. <laughs> Temple, I owe you an apology. An apology? Yes. I'm afraid I waste a lot of your valuable time you know, getting you involved in family affairs which didn't concern you. Well, naturally, I shall see that you're not the loser financially, but that's not the point. What is the point, Calvin? Linda and I have decided to forget the past to make a fresh start. Oh, I'm delighted to hear it. I ought never to have doubted her in the first place, I know that, but... Darling, we understand. Yes, I know you do, dear, but I wanted Mr. and Mrs. Temple to realise that I... Well, I'm sorry I ever doubted you, Linda. It's very sweet of you, darling. Now, you say to a little piece, we'll all drink to it. Well, Linda, George, here's to both of you. 
I can't tell you how glad I am that everything's straightened out. <laughs> You're just a line shooter, Mike. You just want to get back to little old New York. That's all you want. <laughs> Whatever gave you that idea? But why don't you come along with us, Mike? Huh? Oh, I thought you said this was going to be a second honeymoon, darling. I'm only joking, Linda. Are you going away, Mr. Calvin? Yes, we're going on a cruise. We fixed it up last night. We sail from Southampton at the end of the month. What's the ship? It's an American ship, the Wisconsin. It goes down to Jamaica. We'll be away about uh, six months. Oh, how wonderful. I've always wanted to go to Jamaica. Does Sir Graham know about this trip? No, I haven't told him. We only knew ourselves last night. I think I'd have a word with him, Calvin. Why? They may want to get in touch with you. The file on your daughter's case is by no means closed. But that's the whole point of taking this cruise. George wants to forget about the whole thing. He wants to get away from Sir Graham Forbes and Superintendent Rain and the rest of Scotland Yard. Yes, I know, Mrs. Calvin. Unfortunately, that isn't quite as easy as it sounds. Uh, well, uh, uh, well, how's the how's the dry martini, Mrs. Temple? It's excellent. <laughs> it's too <laughs> excellent, Mrs. <Lyle. laughs> Will you drive, Sam? Yes, all right, dear. Go through the park, will you? I want to stop in Wimpole Street. I'm calling on Dr. Benkari. She's probably in Westerton. Well, if she is, we'll go down to Westerton. What, tonight? Mm-hmm. But don't worry, it's my bet she'll be right here in town. Why do you want to see Dr. Benkari? I'll tell you later. All right, you can pull out now. You're very quiet. I find this sudden departure of everybody a little worrying, Steve. Kelvin's going to Jamaica, Langdon returning to New York, and Mrs. Fletcher off to Australia. Well? Well, I don't like it. I hope the fence isn't going to slip through our fingers, Steve. Ah, here we are. I shan't be five minutes, Steve. If Ben Carey's out, I'll come straight back. All right. I didn't expect to see you. No, I don't expect you did, Mr. Grass. I'd like a word with Dr. Benkari. I'm sorry, but the doctor's got several appointments this evening and can't be disturbed. I see. Well, do you think I could speak to her on the telephone sometime? Possibly late tonight? Mm. Uh, yes, uh, I should think so. I should ring about half past eleven. No, oh, thank you. Tell Dr. Benkari we now know who murdered Julia Kelvin, but there's just one small point I'd like to check with her. It won't take a minute. I can do it on the telephone. No. Uh, no, wait a minute. Uh, yes? Uh, uh, come in, Mr. Temple. I'll see if the doctor can spare you a minute. Oh, thank you very much. That's very kind of you. If you'll just wait in here, I shan't keep you a moment. Thank you. Good evening, Mr. Temple. I understand you wish to speak to me. Oh, good evening, Dr. Benkari. How very kind of you to see me. Yes, I wanted to have a word with you before you left. Before I left? Yes. You are going away, aren't you? Well, yes, as a matter of fact, I am. But how did you know? Oh, I thought it was common knowledge. My wife overheard someone say something about it at a party. One of your patients, I imagine. Oh, I see. 
Where are you going to, Doctor? I'm going to Canada on a lecture tour. Oh, well, take it easy. Those lecture tours can be terribly tiring. I know what I'm talking about. I've just returned from one. My secretary tells me that you know who murdered Julia Kelburn. Yes, we know. But I'm afraid I can't tell you who it is. The police are playing possum at the moment. Uh, what do you mean, playing possum? I'm not used to these Americanisms. You'll have to get used to them, Doctor, if you're going to Canada. Incidentally, um, is Mr. Cross going with you? Yes, he is. Ah, well, he'll put you right, I'm sure. What is it you wanted to ask me, Mr. Temple? Oh, yes. During your consultations with Julia Kelburn, did she ever mention a friend of hers called Fiona Scott? No, she didn't. You've never heard the name before? No, I haven't. Sorry to disappoint you. Oh, I'm not disappointed. On the contrary, I should only have been disappointed if she had mentioned it, Dr. Benkari. Ah, good morning, Temple. Good morning, Sir Graham. Superintendent? Good morning. Do sit down. Thank you. I hope we're not too early for you, but you sounded quite anxious when you telephoned last night. I was more than anxious. I was very worried. I still am. Oh? Sir Graham, as you know, we've suspected for some time that the murder of Julia Kelvin was linked up with the fence. Yes? Well, I have good reason to believe that the fence has made plans to leave the country. Ah. Now, the point is this, Sir Graham. I know this man, but I haven't sufficient evidence for you to get a warrant out for him. On the other hand, once he leaves the country... Well, he mustn't leave the country. That would be an impossible situation. Well, how do we stop him, Superintendent? I don't know, but... Have you a suggestion, Temple? Yes, but I'm afraid it's a very unorthodox one, Sir Graham. I... I doubt whether you'll approve of it. Well, it doesn't matter how unorthodox it is, if it's going to help uh, us Just keep... a moment, Rain. What is this plan of yours, Temple? Well, first of all, I've got to talk... Oh, excuse me, Ray. Hello, Paul Temple speaking. Uh, Mr. Temple, this is Inspector Milton, Scotland Yard. Oh, yes? Uh, there's been a phone message through from Brixton. Mitch Harris has asked the Governor if he can have another interview with you. They've arranged an appointment for three o'clock this afternoon. Will that be convenient, Mr. Temple? Yes, quite convenient. Thank you very much, Inspector. Uh, what was all that about? Midge Harris wants to see me. But you've seen him? Yes, I know. He wants to see me again. But why? I'm hanged if I could get a word out of the fellow. Ah, but you didn't send him a postcard, did you, Inspector? Now, let me tell you about this plan of mine. First of all, it depends on whether Midge Harris can be persuaded to talk. Good afternoon, Mr. Temple. Do come in. Nice to see you again. I'm afraid I'm giving you rather a lot of trouble, Governor. Well, not at all, my dear fellow. I presume Harris got the postcard all right? Yes, indeed. About half an hour after receiving it, he asked for an interview and said he wanted to speak to you again. I got the impression that he was angry about something. Oh, that doesn't surprise me. I'll take you to him now. He's waiting in the chaplain's room. Well, Midge, I came as soon as I got your message. Oh, thanks. I had to see you, Mr. Temple. For one thing, I wanted to say I'm sorry I didn't believe you last time you was here. You know, when you came out with all that guff about my girl's cell. You've heard from her? Yeah, had a postcard. She ain't in the south of France, like I told you. She's still in her old job, sweating her guts out. I've been let up the flipping garden, and that's a fact. I take it your friends have let you down, then. Let me down? You can say that again. Yeah, well, he ain't flipping well going to get away with it. Not this time, he ain't. Well, I'm glad to hear you say that. After all, apart from the predicament you're in, it's not fair on Sally. You're dead right it ain't fair on Sally. I, I don't know what's gone wrong. 
He's always looked after the other boys, always taken care of well, them. Well, he hasn't looked after you, Midge, has he? No, he ain't. Now, Midge, listen. I want you to tell me about the fence. I give you my word that whatever you tell me about yourself will be treated in the strictest confidence. I'm only interested in the fence and the Kelvin murder. I didn't have nothing to do with no murder. You've got to believe that, or you don't get another word out of me. All right, Midge, I believe you. Now, tell me how you first got in touch with the fence. Well, I'd never heard of him until a few years back, when I knocked off the jewellers and tried to get rid of the stuff through the usual channels. The boys wouldn't touch it. The yard had got the heat on just about then, sending scores of dicks around the pawn shops and places. I tried one or two of the provincial boys, but it was the same story. They all said the stuff was too hot. Go on. Well, one day I was in a little cafe off the Tottenham Court Road, when the geezer who runs the place said I was wanted on my blower. It was a woman. She didn't give a name, but she had a bit of a funny accent. Foreigner, I suppose. Anyway, she said she'd heard I was interested in doing a deal, and she told me to go to a pet shop in South Dock Road, Shoreditch. I was to ask for Oscar. Well, I, I went round to this place and spoke to the bloke behind the counter. He was a big, tough-looking chap with a Scots accent. What happened? I showed him a diamond ring I wanted to flog, and told him there was plenty more where that come from. Did he buy it? No, of course he didn't, not right away. There wasn't taking no chances. Well, this Oscar bloke asked me to leave it with him for a couple of days while he had it valued. And you did? Well, what I got to lose? I couldn't flog it nowhere else. Well, two days later, I got another phone call telling me to take all the stuff to a place called Breakwater Ass, not far from Brighton. Uh -huh. And what happened there? Well, a youngish chap let me in, tough-looking, slick operator type. He collected the stuff off of me and took it into the next room. Well, after a minute or two, I heard several voices. There seemed to be a bit of an argument going on. I began to wonder what was happening. Still, in the end, this young bloke comes back with a real good offer. And what's more, it was cash down and no mess in the bar. You didn't see any of the other people? No, I didn't. So you never actually saw the fence? No, never set eyes on him. But he always played fair, Mr Temple. Paid a good price and looked after the wife and kids if any of the boys got nabbed. That's... That's what I don't understand about this, Lark. Why didn't he take care of Sam? Well, it's just one of those things. Well, thank you, Midge. You've been a great help. Take care of yourself. Well, I won't overeat, if that's what you're worried about. <laughs> Fresh coffee, Mr. Temple, and the morning papers. Ah, thank you, Charlie. Shall I pour the coffee? No, Mrs. Temple will be down in a moment. There's a big robbery last night in Pont Street, sir. Jewellers. Nearly £80,000 worth of stuff. Yes, I'm just looking at the headline. It was on the 8 o'clock news. <laughs> they say crime doesn't pay. Good morning, Charlie. Good morning, Mrs. Temple. You were very late last night, Paul. What were you up to? I went down to Fleet Street and had a couple of drinks with that crime reporter friend of yours, Ken Sinclair. That's the second time you've seen Ken within the past fortnight. Mm -hmm. I've asked him to look up an old friend of ours, Wally Stone. Who's Wally Stone? Don't you remember? He used to be one of the best cat burglars in the business. Mm -hmm. Steve, you know the bracelet I bought you last Christmas, the diamond and ruby one? Yes. I think the clasp needs attention. It doesn't. The clasp's perfect. I noticed right. it the other evening when we went to the Kelvins. It needs looking at. It'll only take a day or two. Mr. Graham Forbes is here, sir. Hello, Sir Graham. Ah, oh, come in, Sir Graham. Let me see what you look like at this time of the morning. Uh, well, I, um, I, I just happened to be passing, so I, I, I thought I, I'd pop in. Yes, good idea. We don't get many people popping in for breakfast, do we, Steve? Would you like some coffee, Sir Graham? Oh, yes, yes. Thank you, Steve. Thank you very much. I, um, 
As you've seen the newspapers, Temple? Yes, I've seen them. Well, we've done what you wanted. We've included the ruby and diamond bracelet in the list of stolen property. Did you say a ruby and diamond bracelet? Yes. But Paul's just... Pour out the coffee. The... Don't keep Sir Graham waiting. Look, what is this? What's this all about? Now, Sir Graham, what's going on? <laughs> Don't ask me, Steve. I'm a stranger in these parts. The coffee, Steve. <laughs> Good morning. What can I do for you? You've got a dog collar in the window. It's marked 28 and 6. That's right. Is it leather? Yes, of course it's leather. Genuine leather. Mm. Do you think I could have a look at it? Yes. We'll go on here. It's a different colour, but it's just the same. Very good value for 28 and 6. Yes, it is. But uh, it's not quite the same one as the one in the window, is it? It's exactly the same. That's leather, that is. Genuine leather. I'll take it. Okay. Are you Oscar? Aye. I think you know a friend of mine, Midge Harris. Don't know anyone called Harris. A small, rather scruffy little man with a... Don't know anyone called Harris. No? No. I'm sorry about that. I thought you might be able to tell me what this was worth. Where did you get that bracelet from? I'll give you three guesses. That's from a Pond Street job. Mm Mm-hmm. Have you got the rest of the stuff then? Yes. Where? Now, don't be silly. Do you think I'm going to tell you that? Why'd you come here? You didn't want a dog collar? No, of course I didn't. I'm in a spot. I've got to get rid of this stuff. It's red hot. Look, if you're prepared to help me, I'll cut Listen, you... Listen, chum. Don't get me wrong. I'm not the fence. I'm just the go-between. You'll have to see this bracelet. Well, that's all right by me. I'll leave the bracelet with you. How long will it take him to make up his mind? Mm, uh, about 48 hours. Come back on Thursday morning. Oh, hello, Paul. Hello, dear. Any messages? Yes. That friend of yours is here. He's in the drawing room. What friend? The man you saw Ken Sinclair about. Oh, Wally Stone. Yes, of course. How long has he been here? About ten minutes. Oh, good afternoon, Mr. Stone. I'm sorry to have kept you waiting. Uh, Good afternoon, Mr. Temple. I just happened to be in town for the day, and Mr. Sinclair said you were anxious to see me. Yes, that's right. Uh, Would you care for a glass of sherry? Ah, thank you, Mr. Temple. That would be very agreeable. Right. What a delightful room. I've been admiring your fireplace. Mm, It is rather nice, isn't it? Here you are, your sherry. Ah, thank you. Mr. Stone, I'm sure you'd prefer that I didn't beat about the bush and came straight to the point. By all means. I'm working with the police on an important case. Unfortunately, our investigations are held up because we failed to secure a vital piece of evidence. Yes? Well, it seems that the only way for us to secure this evidence is for someone to break into a certain house and search for it. I see. And I take it that's why I'm here. That's what you'd like me to do, Mr. Temple? Yes. And what is this piece of evidence, exactly? It's a diamond and ruby bracelet. The only way for us to secure this evidence, Mr. Stone, is for someone to break into a certain house and search for it. I see. And I take it that's what you'd like me to do, Mr. Temple? Yes. And what is this piece of evidence, exactly? It's a diamond and ruby bracelet. It belongs to my wife. Your wife? Yes. Then the bracelet was stolen from you. (laughs) Don't worry too much about the finer details of this assignment, Wally. Here's the address. If you don't find the bracelet, phone me. 
If you do, come straight back here. And what if anything goes wrong? Nothing must go wrong. That's important. However, if you do get into trouble, don't worry. I'll get you out of it. All right, Mr. Temple. Has your visitor gone? Mm, yes, about ten minutes ago. Paul, you look worried. You've looked like this for the last two days. I am worried, Steve. I have a terrible feeling that this case might well turn out to be one of our failures. But why should you think that? I think the fence realises that the game is up and there's a very good chance that he might slip through our fingers. Oh, but surely... Yes, Charlie? Uh, Sir Graham Forbes is here, sir. No, yeah, come in, Sir Graham. Hello, Steve. Hello, Sir Graham. I've been trying to get you on the phone all day. Yes, I know. I'm sorry, but I've been very busy, Temple. We've had a message through from Westerton. You know that woman that worked for Dr. Binkari? Mrs. Fletcher, yes. She has a son. That's right, Bill. He runs a garage. He was knocked down by a car early this oh. morning. He's in Westerton Hospital. Oh, dear, is he badly hurt? Yes, I'm afraid he is. And the car didn't stop. But the point is, Temple, the boy's asking for his mother, and we just don't know where she is. She's not at the garage. No, I don't expect she is, Sir Graham. I saw her this morning. She told me she was leaving for Australia. Australia? That's what I wanted to tell you, Sir Graham. Mrs. Fletcher told Steve that not only did she work for Dr. Ben Carey, but that she... Oh, excuse me. Hello? Mr. Temple? Yes? Uh, Rain here. Is Sir Graham with you? Yes. Hold on, Superintendent. It's for you, Sir Graham. Thank you. Hello? Oh, Rain here, sir. What is it, Rain? We haven't located Mrs. Fletcher yet, sir, but we've discovered that she's got a BOAC booking for tonight. Flight BO-107 to Melbourne. What time does it leave? The takeoff is scheduled for 9.15. Right. Thank you, Rain. Did you hear that, Temple? Yes, I did. And I've got a suggestion to make, Sir Graham. What is it? Let Steve deal with Mrs. Fletcher. Mrs. Fletcher? Oh, it's Mrs. Temple. That's right. Well, what do you want? Oh, that's my plane. I must go. Oh, wait a minute, Mrs. Fletcher. I'm afraid I've got some bad news for you. I know what you're up to. It's a trick to try and Bill stop me from... has had a serious accident. He's in Westerton Hospital. I... I don't believe you. It's true, I assure you. Oh, well, what happened? He was knocked down by a car early this morning. The car didn't stop. Whether it was an accident or not, we don't know. <laughs> How bad is he? He's on the danger list. And he wants to see you. He keeps asking for you. If this isn't true... You can ring the hospital if you like. Western 824. No, 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 I believe you. You say the car didn't stop. That's right. A swine ought to realise something like this would happen. Look, I've got my car outside. I'll run you straight down to Western. Thank you, Mrs. Temple. But what about my ticket? Don't worry. I'll see to that. I'll see to everything. Oh, sorry, Mr. Temple. I thought anything I... wrong, Charlie? No, sir, but I heard a noise. I didn't know you were down here. Oh, I'm sorry if I disturbed you. Well, that's all right, Mr. Temple. It's two o'clock in the morning, you know. Yes, I know. Is Mrs. Temple still out? It's all right, Charlie. She had to go down to Westerton. Oh. Oh, I see. Well, would you like me to get you some coffee, Mr. Temple? Why are you waiting for her? No, I'm all right. Just leave me, Charlie. I want to get on with this. Is that the front door? Yes, it must be Mrs. Temple. Paul? I'm in the study. 
Oh, Paul, you shouldn't have waited up. Good evening. Uh, morning, Mrs. Temple. Well, how did you get on, Steve? Well, Mrs. Fletcher was a bit suspicious at first, but eventually she realised I wasn't telling the truth. Ah, and what about Bill? He's had the operation, and he's still very ill, but they think he'll pull through. Oh, thank goodness. Mrs. Fletcher was so relieved when she heard he'd got over the operation that she's agreed to do everything you wanted. Really? She's staying the night at the hospital. I said we'd drive down there tomorrow. Good. What else did she say? Oh, well, she's explained about the coat with the name Margot in it that was found in my car. Yes. It appears that just about that time, Mrs. Fletcher discovered that the gang were going in for drug smuggling. And she disapproved? Oh. Of course she did. Mm. Particularly when she discovered that she'd been distributing drugs without realising it. Without realising it? Mm. You see, from time to time, they asked her to take certain coats down to Brighton. The coats were handed over to Margot, the fortune teller, who distributed the drugs. The drugs were concealed in the coats, then? Yes, in the buttons. Ah. Apparently, when an addict got into touch with Margot, they were handed one of the coats, and then, in order to get another supply of heroin, they had to return the empty coat. I see. Anyway... When they gave Mrs. Fletcher another coat to deliver, she decided she wouldn't, and that she'd tell them so. Larry Cross was just leaving for the airport, and she tackled him about it. They argued all the way about it in the car, but finally Cross lost his temper and pushed her to one side and uh, concentrated on the maps in hand. Which was the kidnapping of you? Yes. Mm. Mrs. Fletcher tossed the coat into my car, caught the next bus back to town, and she thought that Cross would return to the car and pick up the coat. I see. Did she let you into any more of her secrets? And she admitted that she tipped us off about the fortune teller and then blackmailed the woman into telling us about Breakwater House. Mm. You know, I can't help but think we owe a great deal to... Oh. Was that the front door bell? Yes. But are you expecting anyone? Yes, I am. Wally Stone. At this time of the night, mm -hmm. the morning... There's a gent to see you, Mr Temple. He says you're expecting him. Ask him in, Charlie. In here, sir. Good morning, Mr. Temple. Ah, hello, Wally. You know my wife. Yes, good morning, Mr. Stone. Uh, good morning, Mrs. Temple. Uh, well, what happened? Well, I had to open the safe. A very neat little job it was, too, concealed in an alcove just behind the fireplace. It took a bit of finding. Was it much trouble to open? Uh, tiresome, you know, a little tiresome. Uh -huh. And what was inside? Oh, loads of stuff. My goodness, yes. Had a bit of a job sorting out what I'd come for. Lucky you gave me a good description. Ah, there we are. That is the bracelet, isn't it, Mr. Temple? Yes, that's the one. But that's my bracelet. Yes, I know. But how on earth did Mr. Stone get hold of it? He's just told you. He stole it from the fence. Oh, yes, please, nurse. We have an appointment with a Mrs. Fletcher. My name is Temple. This is my wife. Oh, yes, Mr. Temple. She is expecting ah. you. This way, please. Thank you. How is Mr. Fletcher this morning? He had a fairly good night. I think the doctor's quite pleased with him. Oh, good. In here, please. Some visitors for you, Mrs. Fletcher. Good morning, Mrs. Fletcher. Oh, good morning. I hear Bill's had a good night. Oh, yes. They seem quite pleased with him, in fact. Yes, good. The nurse has just been telling us. Mrs. Temple... I do apologise for my behaviour last night. Believe me, I'm most grateful. Oh, that's all right. When I think that if it wasn't for you, I'd be on the other side of the world this morning. I just don't... Now, uh, don't worry about last night. Miss, Mr Temple, what do you think will happen to me? You mean with the police? Yes. 
Well... You see, although I worked for Dr. Benkari, I didn't really know what was going on. I thought that... Well, the point is, will the police believe me or will they say ignorance is no excuse for what's happened? I don't know, Mrs. Fletcher, but I'll certainly have a word with Sir Graham and make a point of telling him what you've done to help us. Thank you. But first of all, have you seen Dr. Benkari or spoken to her since last night? Yes, I have. I, I did just as Mrs. Temple asked uh-huh. me. Tell me exactly what happened. Well, soon after breakfast, I asked the matron if I could use the telephone in her office. Is that Mr. Cross? Yes, speaking. Who's that? This is Mrs. Fletcher. Fletcher? I thought you'd gone abroad. Well, I'll change my mind. Well, if you take my tip, you'll change it again and get the blazes out of here. I want to see Dr. Benkari. What's all this about, Fletcher? It's about some letters I have and some tape recordings. Dr. Benkari knows all about them. They're in a deed box at the bank. Tell the doctor she'll meet me. I'm now prepared to do a deal. All right. I'm at the hospital at Westerton. I think you know why. I'll meet you both outside the hospital in about an hour. We can talk in your car. Uh, yes. All right, Fletcher. Now, pull yourself together, Mrs. Fletcher, and let's try to be sensible. I really know what was going on, Dr. Bencari. I'd never have let you talk me into it. For weeks and weeks I've been trying to get away. You're too involved, Fletcher. You've got to take your chance with the rest of us. You didn't object to the money. I would have if I'd known what it was all about. Don't be a hypocrite. You knew all right. Very pleased. I kept telling you that Bill knew nothing about all this. Yet you ran him down like that in cold blood. I assure you we know nothing about that accident. Nothing whatever trouble is I can't believe you anymore. I can only repeat that the accident had nothing to do with me. Now then, what's all this about letters and tape recordings? You mentioned this to me once before. What are they exactly? You know what they are. They're photostat copies of letters you received and tape recordings of telephone conversations. I took them while I was working for you. Why? You went to Shut up, Larry. When I found out what was going on, I had to protect myself. Especially after Ted Angus was murdered. I always had a soft spot for Ted. And what exactly did you plan to do with these letters? I was going to hand them over to the police if there was ever any attempt on my life or Bill's. I assure you no one is going to make any attempt on your life. How can I be sure of that? Look what happened to my Mrs. son. Mrs. Fletcher, will you please listen to me? You must realize that you can't leave that box at the bank without taking some precautions. What's to prevent your son opening it any time? Don't you see it would get a lot of people into serious trouble, yourself included? It's a safeguard. It is not. And you must be made to realize that. If your son took that box to the police and they found out who murdered Ted Angus and Julia Kelber... I had nothing to do with those murders. I know you didn't. But someone did. And if you value your son's life, you'd better hand that deed box over straight away. I'm prepared to hand it over. But not to you. Well, who are you prepared to hand it over to? The fence. You don't know the fence. You've never met him, so why I know that, but I'm not prepared to hand it over to anyone else. And I'm only prepared to hand it over to him on one condition. Well? He's got to give a definite assurance that he'll leave Bill alone in the future. I think he'll agree to that, Mrs. Fletcher. Get the box from the bank and take it to your garage. You'll have a visitor this evening. About... 11 o'clock. 
All right, Doctor. Eleven o'clock. And after that, I left Dr. Benkari and came back into the hospital. I hope I did the right thing, Mr. Temple. You certainly did, Mrs. Fletcher. I'm very grateful to you. But now I'm afraid I've got to ask you to do something else. Well, I'll do anything you ask. I'd like you to go through with this, Mrs. Fletcher. Get the deed box from the bank and take it to the garage. I'd like you to be there tonight when the fence arrives. Oh, it's, it's quite a risk. He's a desperate man and he's in a tight spot. But if that's what you want, I'll be there. Thank you. Now, this is what I want you to do. How many cars have we got, Rain? Four, apart from us, Sir Graham. There are two near the wood, one in the corner by the gate over there, and another one on the main road. When our visitor arrives, I think one of the cars had better block the entrance to the garage, Superintendent. Yes, I had that in mind. Mr. Temple, who exactly are you expecting to see this evening? Dr. Ben Carty? No. I think she's the prime mover so far as the drug smuggling is concerned, but I don't think she's the fence. No, neither do I. I believe she persuaded the fence to handle drugs, and he's regretted it ever since. There's a car coming. It's probably one of the locals on the way home from the pub. Well, if it is, that pub wants investigating. It's half past eleven. He's put his lights out. Yes, he's turning into the garage. He stopped. There he is. I can't see who it is. He's got his coat collar turned up. He's going down the passage at the side of the garage. This is our man, all right. Is Mrs. Fletcher armed? Yes, I gave her an automatic, but she won't use it except in an emergency. How long are we going to give him, sir? Four minutes, five at the outside. Check a watch, Rain. There's the sergeant. He's pulling up in front of the entrance. Good. We'll give him another four minutes and then move in. Right. I hope she's all right, Sir Graham. I feel responsible for her. If anything happens to Mrs. Fletcher, I'll, I'll never forgive myself. There he is. He's coming out of the house. Where? Over there, near the petrol pump. Yes, pump. you're right. He's got the deed box. I think he spotted us. Give the signal, Rain. Lights! He's running for it. He's coming this way. Temple, look out. He's got a revolver. Get down! He's dropped the gun. Careful, Temple. Temple's got him. Quick, Mr. Graham. And let go, let go. Temple, I warn you. It's no good, Langdon. It's all over. Wait, the police are here. I warn you, Temple. All right, you've asked for it. Oh. Temple, are you all right? Yes. Do you know, I'm getting a little old for this sort of thing. Well, don't know about that, Mr. Temple. You've made a nice mess of Langdon. Yes. But, Timothy, I have. Sailing in about 15 minutes. Don't you want to go on deck? Not particularly. This is a change for you, isn't it, George? No last-minute instructions to anyone? No attempt to... What are you staring at? I was just looking out of the porthole, that's all. Linda, 
This is supposed to be a pleasure cruise. Let's not try to get on each other's nerves. There aren't enough hangers for my dresses. All right, ring for the steward. Or better still, go and have a word with the purser. You'd better get to know him anyway. Let the poor devil know what he's in for. Well, if I see the purser, I shall complain about the accommodation. This bathroom's absurd. All right, do that. See where it gets you. Don't leave the cabin till I get back. That you can depend on, Linda. Oh, perhaps you'd be kind enough to pass me that carafe of water. Thank you. Now I'm going to see that purser. Afternoon, Calvin. I thought you weren't taking your trip until the end of the month. I've changed my mind. A sudden decision? Yes, Temple, a sudden decision. Well, where are the police? I saw them through the porthole. They're talking to your wife. You picked up Langdon, I suppose? He did. Also Dr. Benkari and Larry Cross. Langdon talked? He had to. Otherwise, the police might have believed he was the fence instead of you. He was most anxious that they shouldn't think that, Mr. Calvin. Still, we've got enough evidence against you without Langdon. I suppose you mean Mrs. Fletcher and the deed box. Yes, and the fact that my wife's bracelet turned up at your house. Your wife? So that was it. You were the burglar. By proxy. You know, I should have been on to you earlier, Kelvin. I should have realized what Tony Wyman meant when he said, Kelvin, the fence. He wasn't warning you against the electric fence. He was warning me against you. And that young fool overreached himself. He thought he knew all the answers, Temple. Just like you do. But you don't know all the... What is it, Calvin? I took something just before you came in. I didn't intend the police to get Kelvin, you fool. Kelvin! Oh. Mr. Temple, we've taken Miss... Uh, what is it? What's happened to Kelvin? He's dead. Would you like another brandy, Sir Graham? No, thank you, Steve. What about you, Superintendent? Well, I think I've Come on, had... just a little one. No, oh, I thank you. Well, Temple, I noticed you studiously refrained from talking shop all through dinner. <laughs> in spite of the fact that Rain and I have been patiently waiting for the full background to the Margot case. Yes, there are quite a few things to be explained. Well, as we now know, the fence was George Kelvin. Yes, but what puzzles me is why a man in his position should turn to crime. You have to admit the idea of a big-time fence operating on an international scale is a tempting one. Mm -hmm. A man like that could become extremely powerful, and there's no doubt that Kelvin was obsessed with power. Mm, I agree that's a fair estimate of the general picture. Uh, now, let's get down to details. Who exactly was in this organization? Mike Langdon, Dr. Ben Carey, and Larry Cross were his chief lieutenants. And there were several smaller fry, like Ted Angus, Oscar at the pet shop, Mrs. Fletcher, and Julia Kelvin. His own daughter? Yes, that's why he resented her friendship with Tony Wyman. But why did he? He thought that Wyman might find out she was working for the fence, which is exactly what happened, of course. Wyman tried to get in on the easy money and found himself out of his depth. But surely... Kelvin's trouble started when he allowed Ben Carter to persuade him that the biggest money lay in smuggling drugs. Yes, that's true, Steve. His own daughter became an addict. That was terrible. Langdon had been against the drug activities right from the start, and Kelvin turned to him to try and get Julia out of the habit. 
But by this time, Benkari had realized that Julia was Kelvin's weak spot. You think Benkari wanted to gain control of the organization then? Mm, everything points that way. Naturally, Kelvin fought like a tiger. He built up an organization and he resented anybody trying to take over. Yes. At first, it wasn't open opposition. In fact, he gave them a bigger cut in the profits to keep them quiet. I take it Larry Cross was on Benkari's side. Mm, naturally. However, one condition of the extra cut was that the doctor should stop supplying Julia with drugs. This drove Julia frantic. She went down to Westerton to see the doctor, and on her father's instructions, Mike Langdon went to fetch her back. He had a lot of trouble with the girl, and she threatened to tell all she knew. This frightened Langdon, especially when he discovered she'd already told quite a lot to Tony Wyman. So he challenged her, and she was so defiant that he lost his temper and strangled her. Hmm. And Wyman, of course, was the suspect. Hmm. Kelbert thought of that. You remember what Tony Wyman said, Sir Graham, just before he died? He tried to tip you off about Kelvin being the fence. Mm, and unfortunately, I misinterpreted him. Yes, but what was he doing at Breakwater House? He'd been tricked into going there, just as Steve and I were, by that message from Fiona Scott. Oh, by the way, did you get her? Oh, yes. Mm. Wyman had been told to meet Kelvin at Breakwater House at the same time that Steve and I were due there. He was caught by the gang and tied up, and he overheard them talking about the steel rope and the electric fence. The rope was to have got rid of us. The fire was to have put paid to Wyman. Yes. Then, what about the murder of Ted Angus? Ah, uh, Angus was ordered to murder Tony Wyman. When he failed, he was told to report to Dr. Benkari and was himself murdered by Larry Cross. What a dreadful night that was. I shall never forget finding him in that wood. No. And what did Angus mean when he told you to ask Mrs. Fletcher about the coat? It was the coat worn by Julia Kelvin. This coat had the name Margot in it. Julia stole it and made arrangements to go to Brighton to see the fortune teller. To try and get another coat with a supply of heroin in it. Exactly. Well, we know what happened. Yes. Temple, do you think Langdon wanted to be top dog? Do you think he had any design on Kelvin's position? No, I don't think so, but of course Ben Carley obviously had. Langdon was a typical executive, not a leader. Kelvin depended on him for the unpleasant jobs. Then that nonsense about having you watch Linda Kelvin was a, a deliberate attempt to take you away from the main issue. No, not entirely, Steve. Langdon knew that Linda had been seeing Larry Cross, and Kelvin was afraid she would tell Cross about his contacts and methods of working. Kelvin kept things to himself as much as possible. That's what Ben Cardi resented. Mm -hmm. Yes, well, it seems to me it'll take a couple of years to straighten out Kelvin's affairs. Legitimate and otherwise. Mm -hmm. Though just at the moment I'm more concerned with some of the smaller fry. Mrs. Fletcher, for instance. You know she saved our lives, Superintendent, and she's been most cooperative this past week or two. Yes, I know. I'm relying on you and Sir Graham to see she's let down likely. All right, Temple. I'll have a talk with the public prosecutor. Oh, by the way, I hear her son is off the danger list. Yes, I think he'll be all right now. Larry Cross denied running him down. Oh, he's denied quite a lot of things that'll be brought home to him in the next week or so. Well, this has been quite a case, Temple. Quite a case. I should imagine you and Steve are ready for a pretty good holiday. Yes, and we're going to take one, Sir Graham. We're flying off to Jamaica on Thursday. Darling, I didn't know that. <laughs> no, I know you didn't. But this is wonderful. How long are we going to be away? Oh, five weeks, six weeks, uh, ten weeks, Ooh. perhaps. <laughs> well, don't stay away too long. London isn't the same without the temples. Well said, Ray. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> don't worry, we'll be back. We'll be back, Sir Graham. By Timothy, I hope 